Welcome to More of That Presents Discographology, the podcast where a Springfield, Missouri band dives deep into a band's catalog, one album at a time. I am Matt. I play guitar. I'm Josh on bass. I'm Logan on guitar. I'm Blake, and I play the drums. And we are More of That. Welcome back. We are more of that, and this is Discographology, the podcast where I want to get off, but you're just a tease. <laughs> okay, I have a few of these. Was that really bad? Because I have I, a few options. I like it. I actually failed to come up with any, so I, I like that <laughs> well, one. These you want to get off, g- such a tease. Okay, these what, are what, all bad. G- what give are us, your give us another peek. Shop em. Okay, welcome to Discographology, the podcast where I don't understand why you don't understand me. <laughs> Dad. That's good. I like it. <laughs> yeah. And the last one I had, it, which kind of a throwaway, Discographology, the podcast where you don't know how it feels to be, <laughs> should I say it? <laughs> no. I, I also, yeah, I, I don't know how I, I feel about it. that one. I, I like no, the first cut two it, better. Cut it. What album are we talking about today, Blake? So, thank you, Josh. Um, today we're talking about the uh, the the final, not the final, but the most recent album in Heim's discography. It's called Women in Music Part Three, abbreviated as W I M P Triple I. Wimpy can be pronounced. I've heard it pronounced as Wimp Three or Wimpy. I prefer Wimpy. It rolls off the tongue. I do want to say that somebody in our Dropbox folder typed wimp, which I'm not a big fan of that, because um, it leaves off the part three. And who wants to be a wimp? Anyway, should I just... Uh, I thought we were talking the... about wimp part one. That's why I typed wimp. <laughs> I thought this was a... I thought there were three albums called wimp, wimp oh. two, wimp three. Well, I hadn't heard wimp one and two, so mm-hmm. I was, I was kind of lost by the time we got to wimp three. And somewhere along the road, I accidentally listened to Rock and Roll Part 2 and then <laughs> Rock, rock and Roll Song 2. Rock and Roll Part 3 by Ozma. <laughs> I listened to all of this on uh, Winamp. So. Hey. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah. <laughs> Use the visual, is that the one that really whips? Is that the one that whips the llama's ass? When anyway. was this album released, Blake? Okay, so. Give wimpy. us some background to the album. Women in Music Part 3 was released June 26, 2020 which seems like yesterday, might I say. Mm. Yesterday, so, but also 35 years ago. Yes. So <laughs> this is, <laughs> I guess, the first album we're doing that takes place in this sort of limbo hell thing we're in now. Gestures at general circumstance. I actually, I think this <laughs> yeah. is the first album we've discussed where in a previous episode, in a pregame episode, we talked about purchasing this album. Yeah, we, we did, a bunch. And yeah. it's so recent that, yes, not not when you're hearing this, but yesterday, as of recording this, they dropped a new music video for this album. That's how recent this shit is. It's fresh, um, folks. Anyway, I finally figured it out. Uh, their record label that's released all their records in the U.S. is Columbia Polydor is who releases them internationally. I think I said that wrong on a previous episode. Mm. Um, April 24th, 2020 was the original release date. And then the world got done fucked up and they pushed it back to June 26th. 
I can still recall being all bummed out because I had pre-ordered the vinyl and and all that shit, and, and you hate to see uh, something uh, that you've been excited about get pushed back. But anyway, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, producers, the album. I was because this album has such a different sound. I was almost expecting there to be different producers or stunt producers or something, <laughs> but it's the usual suspects here. And by that, I mean so it's Danielle. Interestingly, not all three Himes are credited, but just Danielle. Um, Rostam, our friend Rostam Batman um, from Vampire Weekend, uh, is back. And uh, I figured out, I I think I know how to pronounce his name because I saw a YouTube video. The producer, he's he's been on all three albums. Ariel Rekshide. Also, Shide. Okay. Ariel Rekshide is how I heard an interviewer say it. Um and I think he, as far as I know, he's still Danielle's partner um, and longtime collaborator. It was recorded, uh, surprise, surprise, three studios in L.A., Heavy Duty, Effie Street, and Vox, which I mentioned once before. Um, some work was also done in a place called Strong Room in London. So L.A. and London, of all places. Um, so three singles, Summer Girl, Now I'm In It, and Hallelujah, which I'm sure we'll talk all about, preceded the release. Um, however, they ended up as bonus tracks on the album rather than actual album tracks. And I guess we'll talk about what the difference is if, if there is one. Um, Heim teased the album by posting the abbreviation Wimpy on social media, just those letters, and offering a free T-shirt to whomever could guess what it stood for or had an answer that made them laugh. As far as the cover art, uh, it's a photo taken by Paul Thomas Anderson. He took this photo in Cantor's Deli in Los Angeles, uh, which I'll talk more about in a minute. He has also directed music videos for all three of the singles I just mentioned, plus the steps. And plus, since I wrote this, he directed the video for uh, Man from the Magazine, which came out yesterday. Six singles... Kind of like the the first album, uh, six singles are listed here. So there's the three bonus tracks plus The Steps, I Know Alone, and Don't Wanna. Um, this album's got mostly positive critical acclaim. On Metacritic, its average score is 89. Enemy gave it five stars. And uh, it, is it just me or is it hard to impress those folks? Or is it easy? I well, don't I mean, fa- famously harsh Pitchfork gave it 8.6, right. which, is, which is a yes. very high it's praise in the Pitchfork media world. Although at, after they headlined a Pitchfork festival, it would be really weird if they gave them a low rating. So maybe there's – I think they've always been Pitchfork darlings a little bit. But yeah, 8.6 there. So I can't talk about Wimpy without talking about the Delhi tour. So – Heim's first show ever, or I should say Rockenheim, was at Cantor's Deli in the year 2000. Uh, the first show they, they played together was at Cantor's Deli in L.A., uh, the deli from the photograph, yes. So they decided, based on this, they decided to play delis across America, or this was their plan, at least, to promote the new record. Um, they had several dates for uh, middle of March 2020, AKA the, the, the time when everything went to shit. Um, I know because I've seen video evidence on the 10th of March, they did play a deli, not Cantor's, but a deli in New York city in which they did a cover 
where Esty sings I'm not a girl, not yet a woman to a deli crowd in a very cramped space. She's doing a Britney Spears impersonation. It's very strange stuff. Hmm. <laughs> I don't know how many of their, their five planned deli dates they were actually able to do. COVID done fucked it all up. And it also canceled, of course, their larger tour that was that was planned for the summer of 2020. They went ahead and released some nostalgia merch, such as a Rockenheim t-shirt, which I think you can still get, um, which has tour dates on the back from the past, including Cantor's Deli in 2000, and my favorite, Hanukkah Party at Jewish Community Center in 2005. Oh. Which, that was a lit-ass party. Yeah. <laughs> now, that was wild. Um that was around the same time as, as Valley Girls, which I found interesting. <laughs> um, so even though they didn't get to do their actual show in Cantor's Deli, on June 26th, they, they did a album release live stream from the deli. Sort of a socially distanced, no audience affair. But it, uh, to me, it sounded quite nice. If you haven't heard it, I'd, I'd recommend checking that out. It, I was it's watching, really fun. I was watching that right before... Uh, right before we started recording, I, I'm glad to have discovered that. Yeah, it's really neat. It's good. I it's would... good stuff. Yeah, a lot of, I mean, from like every artist, but a lot of strange and interesting Heim performances have come out of of quarantine, especially with each each sister kind of quarantined separately. I'm not really sure how it works, but they've done a lot of like Zoom style. <laughs> Life performances where each are in a separate place. Anyway, uh, Danielle says the title "Women in Music." Came to her. Where have I heard this before? The title came to her in a dream. Um, and then the uh, the acronym "Wimpy" made them laugh. It's it's supposed to be playful and funny. Um, hence the whole concept of the sausage party. Did I mention they the the Himes are standing in front of a bunch of uh, large hanging sausages in the deli picture on the front? You did not. Okay. Well, there's all these sausages. So yeah, sausage party, etc. Lots of uh, themes of 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 uh, what it is to be a woman in music. Obviously, throughout the album, uh, sexism and misogyny. Um, also, the number sixty nine on the cover, oh. uh, the now serving sixty nine, is is prominently that's displayed like, as well. Yeah, Just and that's like that the funny number, right? That's the sex one. That's right. Sd um, was Sd in an, in an interview said. I think women make the best rock music in that interview. They uh they side they name dropped Snail Mail and Soccer Mommy as some of their current favorites, which was which I find interesting. And I'll end my stuff with a a quote from Lindsay Zolads in the New York Times, which I thought was um a great quote about this record. She said, on its new album, Haim freely borrows from genres that are usually seen as a threat to rock's supposed virility. Hmm. Well, kind of along those same lines, one thing I found that I thought was interesting was there was an Entertainment Weekly article where Danielle specifically said the Outcast album, The Love Below, was an inspiration for this album, which makes sense if you think about Love Below as like... Uh, genres all, all, like every genre yeah a bunch up. of different genres and and but it, she said it had a clear through line which she really liked even though it was kind of all over the place genre wise which this album kind of follows that track as well i'm so um, he- happy to hear you say that because i i, I was thinking to myself am i crazy or is this reminding you of of uh, something <laughs> off of the love below 
Yeah. So, and also, I mean, this is going back to the title, Blake. Uh, I don't know if you saw this interview where Daniel said one thing they do like about the title is they haven't been asked the question, what's it like to be a woman in the music industry on this promotion <laughs> cycle because of the title? She basically said smart. we would get asked that in every single interview. Uh, we haven't gotten asked the question this record cycle, which is also another reason why we wanted to call the album Women in Music. So it's actually great. Um, also, from that same interview, she said it was the most fun we've had making an album and the most sponta- spontaneously that we've ever made music. This is my favorite album we've made, and I hope that people can hear that confidence. We wrote a lot of these songs in this dark place, which I assume we're going to probably mention a few of the events that yeah. kind of inspired mm-hmm. it and, and put them in that dark place. But she said, uh, so we wrote these songs in this dark place, but we had a lightness making the recorded music. It's bizarre. That's a really good Uh, way to put it, I think. I I didn't read that, but that's good. Yeah, and the the last thing I was going to say is they did, on Twitter, they were asked about playing the album live on a future tour, and they basically said they planned to play it, the entire album, on future tours. So I thought that was interesting, you know, seeing a band play it front to back live. Right, right. That would be strange. Not necessarily a bad thing, though. Yeah. So, um... For this go around, Blake, how did you listen to the album? Yeah. So yeah, we usually do like backgrounds and like, but like this is so recent, it's hard to be like I have a history with this album, you know. <laughs> so we don't necessarily have to do that, other than you know I was just recently very excited for this album, and then it came out, and I pre-ordered the vinyl. As I, <laughs> the saga was on the uh, was on the the podcast. There's a recording of it. Um, it's, it my my <laughs> version is sold episode. out now. Um. So I listened a bunch through Apple Music where I listened to everything. And then I, uh, the other day I sat down and listened to uh, that vinyl, which, which sounded awesome. Yeah, I, I also did vinyl, although I listened to a, a fair amount on uh, Spotify as well, just because it was easier when I was working or doing other things to kind of listen to it. Although I was pretty familiar with, I think, most of the songs because I had heard it when it came out uh in, in listening to it on vinyl primarily, um, but Spotify as well. Um, so that was how I, I ended up listening to it. Matt, how did you uh, listen to Women in Music Part 3? Uh, mainly in, in headphones, just uh, either working or, or uh, you know, do, doing dishes around the house or something. Um, uh, so YouTube music is, is where I typically do the things that I don't have physical uh, copies of. We... Uh, we pay for YouTube because we don't want to watch the uh, inevitable political ads. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> that's probably a good point. Y- you were talking about deleting your Twitter app. That's kind of our <laughs> uh, our keep out of it approach. <laughs> um, uh, Logan, yeah, I listen to uh, YouTube music as well. Um, I'm paying for that service, and I really enjoyed it. Uh, I'm not about to, you know, go full blown commercial for it, but uh, um, preach I- it. I've found out it's a great way for me to kind of uh, dip my toe in this, the streaming world. It gives me the opportunity to listen to some things before I go out and buy it. So I appreciate that. But it also lets me make playlists and have videos and stuff like that. So I really enjoy it. And um, But that's how I listen to it. Earbuds mainly. I also took a trip to uh, Arkansas and listened to it a couple times with my wife and and uh in the in the car so it was that's mainly how we listened D- does that mean we get to hear some uh, oh, no. some of Jamie's oh, no. thoughts on this 
Uh, possibly. All I'll right. have to. I'm in, I'm in, interested to hear if you have any things to share that she mentioned about this album because I know okay. the last album you said uh, that she thought it sounded like what was it Lauren <laughs> it, Conrad's head or something like that. <laughs> We're going to go back to the inside of Lauren Conrad's head on this. <laughs> well, record. she uh, she did admit she's like, well, that was that was me just being mean. Uh, I don't think she really meant it that way, but <laughs> it. I, I don't think that the last album was really her cup of tea. But I, I think she received this one a little bit more positively. All right. That's fair. That's a fair assessment. Should I, uh, Let's get, should going. I get into it? Track one, you knew it was coming. The L.A. band has an L.A. song. So here's Los Angeles. So later on in the song, um, we hear the first of Henry Solomon, um, baritone sax extraordinaire, who uh, we hear a few times throughout the album. His credits, the only artist he's worked with that I'd actually heard of is Big Sean. I don't know, but he has worked with um, some some people. It's interesting that a saxophone, his saxophone, opens the album. That's the first thing you hear. Um, this track is mixed by Dave Fridman, interestingly who we, we see uh, a few times throughout the album as well. You, you'd know him most likely of, of from Weezer and um, Flaming Lips. It's, it's got those Flaming Lips drums. Yeah, yeah. that's Dave Fridman. Highly com- Usually he's known for highly compressed, big, bombastic drum sounds. And, and a lot of stuff s- like single miking too. Doesn't he do a lot of mic, mic the room? I yeah I don't I don't know that would be interesting to learn about his methods I haven't looked that far into it but yeah as Josh do you have any any background info I, on this I one? really have no other background I I did want to add Henry Solomon the saxophone player I did find that he is a USC grad ja, USC jazz studies grad and he's in a uh, USC jazz studies quintet called Thumpasaurus. So I thought that was <laughs> okay. worth mentioning that if Very you're cool. if you're really into that saxophone sound, check out Thumpasaurus. Uh, he he joined them at Cantor's Deli for that live stream. Uh, if you want to see him in action, so this song is I kind of see as like a a cousin almost to to Summer Girl, uh, which was released as a single earlier, which is kind of a cousin to uh, Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Um, it's deceptively simple. There's a lot more little layers going on under the surface that you might not realize unless you're really listening for them or reading the liner notes for all, all the all the credits to different like people who played piano, organ. There's that that jangly guitar. I really dig that tone, and I love that that snare that snare tone. The drum tone in general is great. The whole Dave Fridman thing, but the, that snare pop. Uh, specifically, I really dig even the the doot de doos um, that are kind of kind of lifted from Lou Reed, and you hear it in Summer Girl. You they're back here. They're they're also on this track, which I thought was interesting. I also thought that when you hear the piano upbeat, we heard it on the on that little clip there. I got uh, Obla di Obla die ska vibes hmm. off of that. I don't I know what he, everyone else heard. Yeah, but, and, and that comes up a couple times on this album. Uh, I actually felt like the beat was almost like a hip hop beat, 
Um, maybe I'm wrong on that, but it just feels like it's almost like a hip hop kind of drum beat. Um, it's maybe shuffly, more yeah. reggae than than that. I also really liked the the room noise, the kind of crowd noise that that's on this track as well, uh, sort of giving it that, that public feel. Um, I I have to say, maybe I'll sound a little like I, I know Logan in the past has had these very uh i feel like analytical takes sometimes on the on these songs and, and has an idea of like this is the theme of this album and i i haven't been great about i think picking out some of those themes like logan has but this is one where i feel like i have picked up a theme a little bit and, may, and logan i don't want to step on your toes if you've had a similar th- a thought about this album but i feel like this this is the album where lyrically Danielle, who you know writes most of the the lyrics, I believe, really spreads her wings and kind of becomes a lot more abstract lyrically. Because I feel like the first two albums, Days Are Gone and, and Something to Tell You, a lot of the lyrics are very much about just a relationship with another person. You know, sort mm-hmm. of. Um, very, very matter of fact. Yeah, and and kind of not love songs always. They some were like breakup songs, but they were very much about a relationship with another person for the most part. The fact that they start with this track and it's not about a relationship with another person, it's it's about a relationship with a city. I think kind of yeah. shows the that there's this album is different. And I think actually starting with that saxophone as well, Blake um, really kind of illustrates that idea. It's almost like right off the bat saying this is a yeah. different album musically than the previous albums, but also the lyrical content is is different. Um, and of course, that saxophone will show up a few more times. They are ready to experiment is what that says right out of the gate. And boy, do they. Uh, this album, if it is about, you know, an L.A. band writing or if this song is about an L.A. band writing a L.A. song, I think there could have been more references to living under a bridge. <laughs> and possibly, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, immediately, they could have name checked Randy Newman a few times. I, I, mean. <laughs> I really did. It, it did make me think of Red Hot Chili Peppers. I wonder if Red Hot Chili Peppers were like, <laughs> "I'm stepping on our territory." Songs about LA. Hey, LA's our turf. Um, yeah. The the only other thing I, I'd say is, uh, I did find that the, they said their favorite lyric on the album is in this song. And really? it's the lyric, New York is cold. I tried the winter there oh. once. Nope. That <laughs> Interesting. That is the favorite lyric on the album. It, um, it's certainly my favorite lyric on the album. Really? It's See, not- I was going to say overall, this is one I'm actually kind of lukewarm on. Um, I, I like it enough, but it's not a top tier song on this album for me. But uh, anyway, that's my thoughts. Matt, what, what do you think about uh, Los Angeles? Uh, I had uh, that lyric quoted. It, it's it's just so so great. Uh, I've both of the previous albums. You know, Haim is very good at going hard, and they do that on the intros to their you know the first track of their of their their previous albums, and they they de- they really kind of threw me on this one. Uh, opening with the saxophone and and hearing those saxophone keys and pads going uh, was was really you know kind of took me aback and. As you said, Josh, I was you know ready ready to. I was primed to know that they were going uh, in, in a new direction. Um, the do to do's are, are great. You know, it's very sixties uh, girl group. You know, it's just it's such a vibe, and you you, you can't help but bop, you know bop your head and and um, Logan, you mentioned driving uh, with this record on. I'm, I'm sure it's a this this in particular is a great driving uh, song. 
Uh, they got the the B three. We haven't talked about that that great ham and organ tones in there. Uh, you guys mentioned the drums. The drums are great, so crisp, and um, it, it's it's just a, a really really mellow song that puts you in a good mood. So I'm you know and, and a great way to open an album. I think. I agree. I I think the first vibe that I get is a definitely jazzy kind of feel. I also agree with Josh that it. Uh, I had written down that it's. It's very hip hop kind of beat to me. Uh, I can definitely hear those uh, reggae roots in there too, um, but you know it seems pretty effortless w- when you listen to it. it. It doesn't seem too forced. So I I definitely agree that driving to it was nice. It's a very nice, chill, mellow song, like Matt said. Um, I, I also dig uh, the bass line towards the latter half. That's really good. Uh, I like the ambient audio of the people, but uh, to me, it, I, I almost imagine them being in, in some kind of small cafe, or I was wondering, is that the sounds of the deli? Or deli? Or, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I, I like that, um, and it definitely has kind of some summer vibes. Uh, Blake, I also do agree. I, I made a point later uh, when we get to Summer Girl that I thought, oh, these songs sound like sisters you know they sound like sissies um, yeah sissy so, songs sissy songs and they uh, book in the album yeah True. um it's a very non-offensive song it's i'm fine uh i agree it's <laughs> not that's a good way to put it's it it's yeah, not yeah. top tier uh but it's definitely one that i don't find offensive and i don't mind listening to i i agree that it's i'm fine i'm also not offended by it <laughs> I am I I am very offended by some songs. We'll get to them later. <laughs> um, okay, should I move along? Yeah, uh, let, sure. let's let's step into it. <laughs> I forgot about goofy ass transitions. All right, the steps. So I let me clarify some credits on this one. This one is not mixed by Dave Fridman, but he does have additional production credits. It's actually mixed by someone I've never heard of at Electric Lady, as are a handful of songs on this album, but not all. Um, you, you can hear that that Fridman influence on the on the very dirty drums uh, once again. Uh, I really dig the drum sound on this one. I just saw that it said the drums apparently took a lot of takes to get, like that uh, Daniel said it was one of the more difficult really? ones to find the right drum sound for and rhythm. Um, and they just, it was it was hard to kind of uh, nail exactly what they wanted on the drums. And the only other fact I, I saw was that it started with the line, you don't understand me, that they just wanted a song where they could yell, you don't understand me uh, a little bit. And then that the song was sort of built around that, hook oh um i see so that was that was the only things i really i really gathered on it but uh what about your your feelings on this song blake how do you feel my feelings this song to me is like all about that guitar lick you know the one um i'm probably not alone comparing it to van morrison or maybe even like uh a a pixies uh kind of doing a van morrison like here comes your man or something Hmm. But oh, the way it just yeah. endlessly loops back on itself, 
Like I, I can't get enough of that guitar lick, um, which Alana, if you've seen this one live and live is in quotes, quarantine live, Alana is actually playing that and she's doing it while doing vocal harmonies that are in a different rhythm from that, that like, I can't even imagine the coordination that that would take. <laughs> like as a drummer, I th- I would just like, trip on myself trying to do the equivalent to that but it's it's a pretty cool thing to see i'd recommend checking it out i love how that lick continues in the second half of the chorus that lick is kind of transposed over the chorus chord progression and just continues to loop into itself it may my description might sound really weird but um i love it i love the uh the the vocal that is distorted but not too distorted um so it's like when she reaches a a certain threshold of loudness in, in her voice, it it hits that uh, that overdrive, um, and there, there's kind of a, a dirtiness saturating nearly everything in the song. It just kind of a, 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 a let's see, what did I call it? I called it just a great old fashioned pop rock song um, with a bit of a griminess to it that I don't think they have really explored on their. Um, previous two albums as much but i thought it sounded fucking great love the vocal harmonies on verse two especially um and when when it gets to the bridge you realize for good or ill they are married to doing wild effects on their vocals (laughs) that is (laughs) they they did get rid of a lot of the um josh's pet peeves you know the the little signature moves that they do a lot of those are gone Strange vocal effect repetition of title is still there sometimes. Strange vocal effects are here to stay. Um, I usually like what they choose to do, but uh, I guess we'll we'll find out uh, what everyone else thinks on down the road. I, I but, think yeah, that uh, Blake, your your take about it uh, being dirtier, like I, I just kind of thought, like if you just hear the first two tracks, you would almost think this is a more stripped down organic album. Cause so far both tracks, I know there's a lot of uh, overdubs and effects added, but they really are at their core, you know, guitar, bass and drum songs so far. And uh, that's a lot different than if you listen to days are gone, where it starts with these very electronic uh, dance, dancey pop kind of, uh, beats and such. And, and this, these both start with two kind of standard, somewhat standard rock songs. Uh, also one other thing I, I noted, and I think that this kind of becomes a theme a little bit as well, as much as it can be a theme is the lyrics on this album are a lot more provocative than they were on any previous Haim albums. Like this one has the line about you used to come in close and take off all my clothes. Uh, there, there's a few more of those kinds of, of provocative lyrics. That's far from the most provocative lyric it is, on the album. But, but yeah, I'm saying it's it. the first, I don't think Los Angeles <laughs> yeah, exactly. has any. And so this is no. the first one where you're like, Oh, this is like a, it's funny. Cause it's almost makes you think of like when a pop singer, like a Miley Cyrus or something tries to do the whole, you know, I'm an adult now. Here's my adult, uh, image, when, but Heim didn't really Taylor have that necessarily. Yeah. Heim like, from their first album were adult women. Um, we didn't know them. I guess Valley girls were kind of a teen, uh, a teen band, yep. but well, I don't think people really knew they them. weren't, they weren't popular. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it, it almost, but, but at the same time, it is just there. This is a more adult record. I feel like than the previous two, um, you know, in terms of lyrical content, especially, 
Uh, that being said, I have to say I find the bridge lyrics kind of annoying. <laughs> they seem the, like so <laughs> boring and tossed off for an album that generally has really strong lyrics. Like just the, if I go right and you go left, hey, maybe we'll meet up again. <laughs> like, I don't know, it just, it's like, it's, it's a America horse with no name level uh, lyrics there. <laughs> just real, real uh, boring. Um, but the rest of the lyrics are really good. It's funny that uh, this album is so lyrically strong. And then that bridge is just like, it sounds like they just came up with it in on the spot. Um, maybe it was an improv. I, I do want to, before I throw it over to to Matt here and hear his opinion on the steps, I do have to mention this is our first music video alert. It's not the first mm. music video from this album, but it, it is actually the fourth music video released March of 2020, and it is directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, on Twitter, by the way, they mm-hmm. called Paul, Paul Thomas Anderson the fourth Heim sister. And in the video, we have... Uh, the it's actually directed by him and Danielle Heim. She is credited as a director as well. Oh yeah, uh, I saw that. Yeah, the video features the girls getting out of bed and getting ready for something that we don't know. Uh, Esty <laughs> eats some lipstick after putting it on. Alana brushes her teeth, and Danielle does both put on lipstick and brush her teeth. Then they all spit on the bathroom mirror before the chorus. Esty then jumps in a pool, and the video ends with Danielle beating the living shit out of some drums, which is pretty sweet. <laughs> I saw one comment, by the way, that said she was playing the drums. Uh, what was it? It said aggressively brawless, <laughs> which I was like, <laughs> is that a thing you can do? It was like, Danielle, it, someone was like, oh, I love that she plays the drums aggressively brawless. <laughs> that was an interesting accurate. comment. Um, I think it's fair. But yeah, this is also another one that I, I like more than Los Angeles, but it's still not a top tier contender for me but but that's where i am at how do you feel about the steps i like it uh i think this isn't the first song on this record that's going to have this distinction or well it is the first song it's not the last one uh but it's a member of the tuesday night music club uh this (laughs) uh you know very um you know, we talked about the dirtiness. It feels very, you know, very rootsy, but but in a in a modern sense. And I and I think uh, the the drum tones and and parts, you know, play a big role in that. Uh, the uh, the high note on the understand me uh, that that really um, you know kind of rings the bell uh, of the chorus and uh, you know r- really sticks with you and and gets in your head. I I I know what you're saying, Blake, about the part. And and I think that here comes your man is is the 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 missing reference that I was uh, uh, mm. that I was trying to think of of you know what what does this remind me of uh, and and here comes your man is definitely there I I just there's <laughs> there's just something about uh, I'm I don't mean to be uh, the there's just something about person but I I just don't care for the tone as much and and I don't know if it's that it's just kind of nasally. Uh, I did see in that live stream that she's playing a strat and you know, that's just, I, I think I might've made a different choice, uh, but I, I like the part and I like the, the, the sound and the, and the melody uh, and, and how, how, like you said, it fits in with those, uh, with those other progressions. So, you know, th- this is, th- this is more fine Heim uh, to me than, uh, than Los Angeles. I really liked, uh, you know, Los Angeles. So th- this is kind of a bit of a step down, but, but it, it still has a, a lot a of those great elements. I, I guess in in quality, it definitely picks up the pace. Though you you, you are you are right. It's it's a sure. step up in in attitude. 
I love that you're using step as the metaphor here, but I don't know if that's on purpose. (laughs) (laughs) It's because it's it's called the steps anyway. Yeah. The guitars are the first thing that I, I focused on. And to me, it sounds like, I don't know, classic rock or alt country crashed a new order party. Uh, that (laughs) sounds, that sounds like a new, to me, you guys have, you know, I can see where you're coming from with the pixies or, um, I don't, um, but I, I hear new order. And for some reason with the kind of alt country kind of feel to me, uh, it doesn't work great for me. They also somehow remind me of, I don't know, just the mid nineties. And then I also hear a little bit of Matthew sweet, which isn't a bad thing at all. It's got a catch to it. It's it's not too bad, but you know it it doesn't blow me away. I do like the chorus quite a bit, um, but to me it is you know well I was kind of waiting for like it's the next. I, I feel like it's an another relationship song, um, and it's it's not something that I'm probably going to come back to. Uh, it just didn't really work for me uh, very well. So yeah, that's where where I kind of landed on it. Yeah, you're, I, I didn't pick that up, Logan, that it, it's like the first song, like I was saying, is a relationship with a city instead of a person. And then this song kind of goes back to the, the Heim well of yeah. relationship song about relationship with another person. I think the thing they add is just that provocative aspect is, is the a little more, that's different than the previous albums. But yeah, I agree that it kind of goes back to that, that well of, of just being about relationships again. We know they... I feel so weird bringing up Van Morrison because he sucks shit now and everything, or he's been an asshole lately. <laughs> he's uh, always been kind of an uh, asshole, by the I'm way. Sure There's the been stories story about him being asshole. an asshole for a long oh, okay. time. Well, okay. He's I mean, just kind it, of a creatively genius asshole sometimes. Yeah. I be- we we know that they were influenced uh, by his stuff from a very young age. What, what Van Morrison song do you think in- inspired this this lick? I can't put my my finger on it. I, as far as the guitar lick, I don't know, but now that you no. mention it, I mean, uh, Astral Weeks has a very loose jazz feel. Like if you if you know Astral Weeks at all, that was the Van Morrison album where he basically got a bunch of jazz musicians together and had them improvise, and then he went in and kind of created a song around their improvisations uh-huh. and. I didn't even think about it until you said that just now, but yeah, the bass, some of the bass stuff on this album, I can see connections back to that. And of course the saxophone, but just the, the bass parts on Astral Weeks tend to be very fluid and probably because the guy's playing like a fretless upright bass, but, uh, Mm -hmm. but it's just a, I can see some of the influence in the terms of the jazz improvisation on this record but as far as the guitar riff i i don't know van morrison's catalog deep enough to say like oh it's this particular yeah. song that it's i don't like. either but i know that every whenever people talk about that here comes your man pixies uh lick that they're always like oh they're doing van morrison and I'm, <laughs> i think that's probably why i made that comparison anyway i have no uh uh transitions prepared I, well i was gonna say i don't know van morrison but you know what i know alone <laughs> I know a lot about being alone too. Number three, I know alone.
you got to love a a direct Joni Mitchell shout out. Yeah. Right. So I know "Alone" is the only song, I believe, on the album where LA producer and self-described synth dude Buddy Ross has a writing credit. What I know about him is that well, he's a synth dude, all-around keyboard dude, and he has a Moog tattoo. No, not the uh, Moog logo, like the cool circle thing, but the word Moog. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, what? He, well, it just M O O G and the Moog font is tattooed on his arm. He he plays with them a lot in the, in, the, in these quarantine performances. Anyway, um, so he he produced, wrote, and did some synths and drum programming on this one, which, as you heard, is takes a, a sharp turn into electronica land. He plays a lot later on the record. He's also worked with the likes of Carly Rae Jepsen, Boney Vare, and Vampire Weekend, of course. Um, the song also, strangely, has a cello in it played by someone named Philip Peterson. Um, and did I say it was mixed? It's one of the ones mixed at Electric Lady. The only thing I have is the lyrical content that uh, Danielle said that when she wrote the lyrics to this, she was in a very dark place. Okay, and I know that's that's makes sense for this, and that's also true of several of the songs yeah. on here. Uh, but, I, I mean, it, it it's sad stuff when you get into it, but I, I think musically it uh, something really good came out of it for the most part. Um, so a lot of these songs, I don't feel like the first two songs as much, but a lot of these songs for me, um, have specific nineties influences that are really glaring to me. And I don't mean that in a, in a bad way. I actually kind of love this song. It's a really strange song, but I, I dig it to me. What I hear the most is <laughs> as far as nineties influences is now stay with me. 90s Aphex Twin and Square Pusher. Nice, dude. Um, I totally yeah. agree. So, thank you, thank you. So, if you were uh, a teenager who listened to the bleep bleep bloop music in your Honda Civic for your all of your high school years, like I was, there's no way you can hear this and not connect it with like the selected ambient works of Richard D. James. Here, I'm going to play exactly. It. Like, listen to that. Even this vocal thing. Yep. Like, it's totally... That really bizarre vocal effect. Yeah, that's something that, that uh, Avex Twin or Square Pressure would do, would be <laughs> like an almost unintelligible bizarre vocal effect sample or something. Exactly. Um, yep. It's got these these drums that sound glitchy and have uh, such a, a weird quality to them. Like, they're, they're degraded like a uh, 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 like bit crushed almost um if you'll forgive the terminology um weird effects all over everything it's swimming in it um the whole song has weird instrumentation as i mentioned on top of all the electronics we got cellos and shit but it's it bangs i i, I can't deny it it bangs but i call it a soft bang and um to me it's a great track three i think a lot of great albums have great track threes they're not coming to mind right now but <laughs> if you know if you know you know what's a great track three toss one out there i, I heart, don't know heart shape box is track three yeah but like this what's one that's not a single <laughs> <laughs> anyway to me it, it, it i i dig it it's a great track three what do y'all think 
I uh, so this is the first one that I am all in on. Like the first two, I'm kind of lukewarm. This is the one though where this is a top five of all time Heim song for me. Um, I I love it for a a lot of reasons. Um, first I want to mention, we're back to the abstract lyrics, you know, this one about relationships, but it's the relationship with yourself and sort Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, what it's like to, to just be in your own world. It's amazing that this was written before the times we're living in now. (laughs) Um, I feel like even though, you know, in a lot of ways, Corona screwed up their, album cycle this is one where it's like you could not have a more perfect song for this moment (laughs) in a lot of ways i remember when they dropped the video for this which i should mention the video came out in april so they drop a video april of 2020 right after everyone has really started quarantining the video is directed not by paul thomas anderson but by jake schreier and it features them doing a dance routine on a basketball court by the way the only video i think from this album that really has a lot of dancing there's not a lot of dancing for the videos of this album which is different than the previous albums but they're doing a dance routine on a basketball court but the routine starts off very slow with them doing the same moves over and over including one where it appears they're mimicking the scrolling on your phone that you do. And then they speed up until the end when all the moves are done in succession. And I feel like I remember seeing that video and how perfect it fits the song and the mood of everything everyone was going through right then and is currently going through where you're just at home scrolling your phone over and over again (laughs) by yourself. And uh, it just, I don't know. It, it all worked for me as like this total package about, you know, uh, being alone. Um, I do have to point out a couple of things. One, uh, th- is that a format shift? Are we, are we having another no. form? It's not? I could have swore no, it not. was when it was like, not when it goes really high, but there's a couple of moments where it seemed like it got really low sound. There are some weird pitchy type effects on this that I can't even identify, but they don't sound to me like a format shift. So don't quote me on that, but they, they sound different. <laughs> I don't know. Blake don't Walker says, is. quote, it, uh, uh, by the way, I also for a long time thought at the first time I heard it until it's slowed down and you can tell what they're saying. I thought she was saying Sunday comes, they have sex and they shine. <laughs> and I was like, I remember when I first heard it, I'm like, why do they keep saying Sunday comes, they have sex and they shine? I was like, man, it's more provocative lyrics. But yeah, it's not <laughs> the lyric. It's, it's Sunday comes and they expect me to shine. But when it's all distorted, I couldn't tell what they said. But anyway, uh, th- th- this is one that it's one of my favorite Heim songs uh, ever. Um, and it just is one of those ones that hit me at the right time where I'm like, this fits this moment perfectly. And what people are kind of going through, what I'm going through, everybody right now. So, yeah, that that's my feelings on it, uh, Matt. Uh, yeah, th- this song's great. Um you, Blake, you mentioned uh, Aphex Twin. Uh, the the touchstone or, or the vibe that I got was Idiotech. Um, you know, oh. which is uh, you know two thousand, obviously, but but you know definitely that that but bit crushed, glitchy uh, drum sound. You know, really gets you where, where you want to be. I'm really just kind of looking over the the lyrics to this um, right now, and and you know. Josh, you're you're right that it's it's very uh, apropos of of current circumstances. Um, just you know the the some things never change, they never fade, it's never over. And uh, paired with the um, paired with the nights turn into days that turn into gray, keep turning over. 
I, I just really, um, really like how, how that kind of pairs together. Um, and, and the dancing in the video, you know, just, I, I won't be able to, not, to, to hear this song and, and not think of, uh, of the dancing. It's, it sets the mood and it's yet another genre experimentation. Uh, you know, the, the, the album is women in music and, and they're doing different, they're, they're doing different kinds of music, you know, even in the, just these first three songs, we're all over the place and it's all, you know, hitting different spots. But I, I think, you know, working and, and it's interesting to, to, to see the, uh, the variation. Uh, so everyone's pretty much said, I, I, I think mostly of what I, I'm going to say. Um, but yeah, this, this one, whereas the last one sounded like alt country meets new order, I thought this more appropriately sounded like Heim crashed a new order party and it works much, <laughs> wor- much more for me than the, the previous one. I dig this one quite a bit. Um, it's also, I think a top tier Heim song. It's definitely, I would say in my top 10, I can already tell this is the direction I'd like them. I would like for them to explore more you know shit that chills you out while you're watching the rain it's just like i definitely agree with the apex twin comparison there was definitely some territory they were exploring that was apex twin and uh it's it's more electronic and ethereal it's definitely probably my jam i love the verb on the acoustic guitar part that just kind of is the only thing like i really love that part i love the high bright keyboard synths that are going on the chorus really gets my head nodding and it's also mysterious enough to you know draw me in i i like what you guys had to say about the video uh i i think those are more constructive things than i would have to say uh it was kind of a snoozer for me uh <laughs> i don't know if they choreographed the part the parts themselves or if someone did for them either way i appreciate them doing that you know that's cool but i i love the song quite a bit but the video didn't didn't really do too much for me. I I thought that this would be one that you would be into, Logan. Yeah, we we should uh, clarify that the video is a is a single shot of a basketball court, and uh, <laughs> there are no no effects or budget. So if you're bored by it, that's not all that surprising because there's really <laughs> not much to it. It's just some interesting dancing. I I heard that uh, Jake schreier directed it remotely <laughs> i don't know if he was like on zoom being like okay n- dance like this now <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyway um <laughs> i also have no way to get to the title up from a dream <laughs> unless i pretend to be asleep or something so why don't i just play uh clip the video put logan to sleep i hit snooze so let's wake him up on that video from a dream let's what yeah don't snooze i'm gonna go back to, i'm gonna go back you. to you know sleep for a few minutes you know, I'm going to well, maybe in time for have a little dream. Hey, here comes some alarm clock sounds. We're going to wake you up from a dream. Track four. I was dreaming again. You were there with me. We were on the beach running in the sea. You pointed to a sun, but in dreams you can't read. And in that moment I snapped again. Something you see wakes you up from the dream. want to go back to Another one mixed by uh, Dave Fridman, and you can kind of, not surprising with all the kind of dirty textures um, throughout. I don't have any any lore that I can find on this track. 
the only thing I found is Danielle said it took five minutes to write this song with Rostam. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it's about well, feeling like you're in a dream state at all times. Apparently it started on GarageBand with an acoustic plug directly into the computer, and they liked that sound enough that they just kept it. So apparently the sound is wow. a acoustic plugged into a computer uh, on GarageBand. But that is that is all I found um, regarding the background. Yeah. Guitar plug directly into your computer is is the uh modern day equivalent of uh a punk plugging directly into the console <laughs> at uh <laughs> abbey road or whatever um yeah it's uh, the five minute thing i mean it is a simple song that's not to say that it's a bad song at all but um it's quite uh quite a simple uh straightforward rock song in my opinion the verse particularly is so simple <laughs> I'm getting victims of telephone vibes off of it. <laughs> You'll have to explain who that is, by the way, to listeners. Who's victims, victims of telephone? Victims of telephone was was my first band that I was in in high school, and we, we played uh, from like when I was age like sixteen to age like twenty two or three. Um, and we did we we were a three piece. Uh, we did simple rock shit. Anyway. We we were never uh, we never made anything pretty enough to um, live up to the the chorus that they they go to in this song, which I think is is quite catchy and pretty, even though it's got that that dirty filter on it. Um, it has one of the dirtiest solos, and I I didn't know about the uh, acoustic guitar plugged into GarageBand effects, but I'll have to go back and listen to the solo now to try to identify what the hell that is maybe you guitar players can tell me more about it but i wrote is there any more distortion pedal left on earth but it's probably just like run through every garage band effect all at once i'm not sure um the only the last thing uh it ends with alarm alarm bell not alarm alarm clock sounds and uh which is you know not something i find particularly pleasant and not since Dark Side of the Moon have I been so offended by sound effects. <laughs> That's all I got. Hot. Shots I, fired. Uh, well, I, I'm going to sh- fire some more shots here. This is probably my least favorite song so far. I I feel like you go from the high, high of I Know Alone to this one, which is just like, mm. I really, I don't have much to say. It's, it is kind of a glam rock sound. That was the only thing I could think of. It That that rhythm with the uh, the beat is kind of a almost a glam rock thing, but even that I couldn't save it for me. I don't, I really don't have much to add here. I just, this one doesn't do it for me. So Matt, uh, I'm probably relatively close to you there. Um, knowing that it's, it's about being in a, you know, in a dream state, it, the the repetitiveness of the, of the verse kind of makes a little bit more sense. You know, they, they do it so many times that, it, that it's almost, it puts you in the in that kind of uncanny valley uh, feeling of you know how many times have they said this uh, that that kind of does evoke that that dream uh, feeling. Um, I kind of like the resolution to the uh, alarm clock sound. Um, I, I I think that mm. probably works you know better than uh, than other guys uh, you guys might, but. Um, I really also don't have a ton of notes uh, on this song. It's it's kind of kind of a feels like filler uh, to me, um, but it, within the context of kind of the the different album, you know, it, it, it's it's an interesting uh, transition to where where we go next. 
Mm-hmm. Um, well, <laughs> I'm I'm a big fan of this one. <laughs> Go off. It, it's a nautical kind of feeling to me. It, it's like waves and water. You can hear seagulls. Like I'm totally envision envisioning Heim Heim sissies out there as captains of some big party yacht and ensuing <laughs> with ensuing hijinks. You know, it, it's like Taylor Swift's probably there. You know, uh, but no, I I especially like how bass heavy it is. I don't know if that's the acoustic guitar or, but it I don't know. It's just very propulsive and kind of churning forward like you're on a you're on this you know uh, big ship or yacht or something and i i like how stripped down the drums are um i think there's some really interesting sounds and approaches here and um i love that cool little guitar freak out that happens that's pretty fun and out of nowhere i think that's exciting um it's more territory to explore they're exploring more of the in my eyes, like they're just expanding their ter- territories, going out into the water, you know, and I think it, the track effectively captures that atmosphere of being out in the water. And uh, I, I think this is a really cool track. Awesome. Uh, well, if, if we want to go on that uh, boat trip that Logan described, we're probably going to have to fill our yacht's fuel tank. And uh, we might give me have fuel, to give me fire, uh, give me that what you <laughs> The next song's fuel, right? We might <laughs> we might have to fill that tank with gasoline. So I'm going to have to submit this song for the approval of the Tuesday Night Music Club. Is that what it's called? Uh, yeah, yeah. Tuesday Night Music Club, <laughs> which which I probably should have made clear at the time was Sheryl Crow's debut album, which is what, uh, you know, what the steps reminded yeah. me of. But uh, uh, but yeah, this song. Yeah, this song does t- to me more so. But let's uh, l- let me g- give this pull quote here. Um New York Times Lindsay Zalad, who I quoted earlier, called Gasoline a Cheryl Crow song on a handful of weed gummies. <laughs> oh, and that's I, funny. I really like, I personally think that's accurate. I really like that quote, but I, I take it in a very good way. Um, this song contains many, uh, in the chorus at least, uh, vehicular metaphors for relations uh <laughs> uh i i just had a quote here from danielle about recording the drums which she said yes. uh, quote i love the way that the drums sound i feel like we really got that right i was like literally in a cave of blankets a fort we created with a really old camco drum set from the 70s to make sure we got that dry tight drum sound and uh also reportedly yeah. this is the Heim sisters parents favorite song of theirs uh that's huh. a little a little bit awkward con- considering <laughs> the content the <laughs> subject matter uh we'll get into that when we discuss how much i like the lyrics go for um it. to me this song uh oh it was it was mixed at electric lady another one of those to me this song uh went 
went from the first time I heard it, uh, considering it a, a decent song to, uh, now considering it a five star song to me, this, this whole album is, is like that in a way, um, it, it grows on you. Um, I, I actually fucking love this song. I would recommend, um, if, if you like the, the drum sound as much as I do, I recommend lo- looking up every performance of this you can. That they did it recently on the Jimmy Kimmel show, I think, where they played it in a parking lot. Um, so Danielle drums on this song while singing, and, and it's crazy how talented she is at doing those two things well at the same time. Fuck, I got to talk about the lyrics. Um, <laughs> so gasoline. This is the chorus where the uh, the the car sex metaphors are. If I'm if I'm totally out of pocket, tell me about gasoline. Pretty please, I want to get off, but you're just a tease. Uh, throw the keys back to me. Go on, kick off your boots in the passenger seat. So it's sort of a woman on top anthem, if you will. I feel like I'm blushing like Hank Hill right now. <laughs> well, I mean, there's also the bridge when you're lying between my legs. Nothing matters. I mean that. That's, yeah, that's but I mean that's provocative. There to me, that's less. I mean the the right out of the gate, the first lyrics are. You took me back, but you shouldn't have. Now it's your fault if I mess around. And I'm like, whoa. Like, damn. Can she even say that? Oh, also, you needed ass. Well, what's wrong with that? So it's like a... Is that what she says? Yeah, she says, you needed ass. Well, what's wrong? (laughs) I've never done that. This is a song. I never do that. It's a song about being horny. It's a song about it's fine to be horny, and this not, is the song not the last like song them. about being horny. By the way, on this album, right. as we will see. Um, and speaking of the line, you know the the line between your legs part, the bridge may be my favorite part. It's fucking gorgeous. That uh, I know that there, there's so much flange on that guitar that it's in danger of of drowning in it. But I I just dig it. Um, I actually hear a little snail mail influence in the the verse vocals especially right from the beginning, who they do cite as an influence. I, I just thought that was really interesting. But yeah, this song, man, I, uh, I can't praise it enough. It grew on me a lot. Go ahead. I am, I am somewhat concerned to talk about my feelings on this song. And the reason is, this is my favorite Heim song ever. And Holy I like fuck. it so much. <laughs> wow. That I am concerned that I'm going to be hurt because I don't think everyone's going to agree with me on this. <laughs> because I, 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 this is the song, okay, when I heard this one, I was like, I got to buy this album. And I think what it is is it scratches the itch for me that my uh, feelings towards uh, Amy Mann scratch. Mm. And I don't know what it is, but this song, when I heard it, I was like, I got to go buy this album. Went and bought it. I love everything about it. So the I, I love that it's kind of another organic, just you know, guitar, drums, bass kind of sound. Um, I, I it's hard for me to kind of pick apart things and, and say exactly what it is because I I don't know if there is any one thing that I think is great. I do want to point out the vocal clipping, which I actually think is really kind of cool. You know, what I'm talking about on the. I get sad. I think is that what she said, or maybe it's you. You wanted yeah, ass. She, I don't know. Apparently, I didn't know that was the lyric. It, it's in what the you needed ass though? verse. Okay, but it like clips really quickly, and I I kind of like that. Uh, how it gets to that almost like fried kind of sound. Oh. Um, 
Speaking about uh, the lyrics, though, I, I do think this has one of my favorite lyrics on this album, which is the one where she says the thing about, uh, I get sad and it's hard to look. What is the line about? It's hard to look past what I'm sad about. What I'm like, sad I feel about. like yeah. all of us, maybe I'm speaking for everybody, but has been in that position where you start to get kind of really down about something and it's hard to think about anything else. You know, you just can't look past that. And and so these I feel lyrics like hit different. That dude. lyric especially stuck out to me, but I don't know. All right, let's hear what everyone else thinks. Uh, <laughs> Matt, you, you want to tell Be me gentle. why I'm, I'm wrong? Uh, no, I, I want to tell you why you're right. Uh, oh shit. This means Logan's <laughs> going to tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> um, I, I was, I was complaining about the guitar earlier and now I can, uh, praise it, uh, you know, Pra- greatly praise it because it, uh, th- this is this is the sound that you need. This is that um, that mellow. We're, we're back in the car. The windows are down. We're driving. It's you know it's dusky, and you just you just lean back and and listen to this song uh, because it just kind of flows through you and over you. Um, what's what's not to like here? Uh, my, my first note was that beat, that tone. Uh, it's such a simple drum part, but so, so in the pocket and, and moves the song along so well, I might like some of the live versions that I've seen, um, you know, both the, uh, the parking lot and the, the album release show. I, I might like those even better than, uh, than the, the record version. It's, I, I had something similar happen to me with, um, a ghost is born and kicking television, uh, you know, I where, where I I got attached to the live version. Wilco albums, by the way. Yes, I I, I guess <laughs> I should should clarify uh, that the Wilco album they and know a, a live live compilation. But uh, yeah, the, when they switch from the hi hat to the uh, to that ride symbol and and just the whole song kind of opens up, um, you know, like the horizon. It, it I just can't say enough good things about this song. Break my heart. Logan. Hated it. Uh, Break it. I, <laughs> well, I'm, I don't think I'm going to do that. Um, I really liked I, I like what you're saying about the live performance of the, the one on Jimmy Kimmel uh, in the parking lot. I, th- I think I liked it and that hit hit it more home for me than the album version. Um, I, I, I did like that. You know, it's another cool, chill kind of vibe track. Uh it's very pretty it's smooth it's dreamy i like the chorus um of course um definitely reminds me in the 90s i definitely hear cheryl crow but i also could almost imagine courtney love singing this um i like the that phaser part and some of the effects that they're using um uh, something i wish they'd play around with even more to me i think overall it's a mid-tier track for me um, I like how the hook isn't such an earworm, but it's still likable. Um, I think that's a thing with Heim with me is that for so long, I think they, they'll find a good hook and then they'll just wear it into the ground. Like they'll just like <laughs> keep repeating yeah. it. You'll, you'll hear it so, so many times. So it kind of forces you to like, you're going to remember this hook. But with this one, it's a little bit more, I don't know, um, I like that it's not so pushy with its hook. I like it's that it's one that'll grow on you. Um, I say it's mid-tier now. It might jump up a tier. You know, I'll, I'll probably come back to this song at some point, but I did like the live performances more. I'll take it. 
Heart not broken. Heart not uh, broken. In fact, Logan, based on that assessment, I'm going to be calling you at 3 a.m. because my heart is not broken. Hey, oh, you God. don't get to do the transitions. <laughs> I'm I'm running this show. I'm uh, in the spirit of of this album. I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you a transition. I'm just gonna give you a crazy fucking left turn. So here's 3 a.m. So speaking of 90s influences, the, the first thing, of course, when I heard this is, uh, is this a baby face production? <laughs> and I I was certain that, you know, they had a, a stunt producer or someone else on this. But no, it's the usual suspects again, um, Ariel and the gang and, and Heim themselves, of course. Um, 3 a.m. has uh, turntables played by Ariel Rex Scheid. I think I said that right. Um, it's got someone named Tommy King. I think he's a session musician. Play is credited with keys, synths, and Chamberlain. The Chamberlain is a vintage keyboard that uh, I describe as the Mellotron's dad. Oh my. Um, for 3 a.m., they, um, Haim actually gave a Zoom dance class to uh, teach the world a dance they... Uh, choreo that they did along to 3 a.m. in preparation very early preparation for their uh one more heim tour of the uk slated for 2021 uh summer i think there is spoken word uh on this song credited to joe thornley did i miss anything i had down that the guy and maybe this is joe thornley's real uh or stage name was vegan was the oh, okay. uh, london-based producer who does ah. the spoken word. He had produced some uh, Frank Ocean stuff. Yeah, that is him. So he goes by Vegan. Interesting. And uh, I guess his real name is, is Joe Thornley. And um, yeah. Did you have what this song was about and, and why there's spoken word? He's vegan. The scourge <laughs> of Carpathia. <laughs> <laughs> I actually would love it if they got fucking Vigo to do the oh, opening God. part. <laughs> No, no, um, no, Doctor Venkman. Oh, uh, why are you? Why are you came? Uh, so I just, I just assumed it was about being horny at night and slipping into DMs it, and that kind it of is. thing. It is. Alana yeah. says it's about a booty call, uh, and they had a, a struggle with how they would open up the the song until they came up with the idea of using an actual phone call, and they had several of their guy friends try out with the instruction of just act like you're calling up a girl at 3 a.m. And apparently it was a struggle to get guys to do that. And I can imagine, by the way, I can imagine someone like putting me in a recording booth and being like, <laughs> all right, act like you're trying to hit up a girl at 3 a.m. I'd be like, this is the most fucking awkward thing. What <laughs> What's have... so weird about that is that when was the last time a someone did that, like left an analog voice message <laughs> it's a good point. to try to hit someone up. You don't do, you, you send a text, you send a, a message via some social media. You up? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I, I guess that they had six of their friends try out. And the one they chose was the, the vegan was Vigo, the Carpathian. 
Yeah. Um, he sounded, he didn't sound, um, he sounded too sober, I feel like. Yeah. It, it, I, I, yeah, I don't know. But um, anyway, that, that was the only background so, I found, Blake, in addition to what okay, you said there. Well, that's, that is interesting. Genre wise, this takes um, a crazy left turn. Um, it's, you know, it's, to me, it's like 1991 R&B um, straight out of, uh, you know, an early TLC song, uh, hence the, the, the baby face connection I made. Um, it's got that, that, that high single note, like fake string throughout most of the song that is just like telltale. Like this is a, a sexy in vogue ballad thing. Um, it's hard to describe. It's just like, you know, when you hear it, the chord progression, the structure, you people who know chords will describe this better i'm sure but it's very wild to me on this one like i I don't know there's probably some seventh chord diminished augmented whatever's going on what what's that matt it's definitely very jazzy i i i wouldn't be able to speak authoritatively on you know uh, on the theory of of it but it's it's definitely got a lot of jazz influence um you know which, which kind of contrasts to their you know more straight rock and roll you know, right. chord progressions that, that, that they do. It is not like their other songs and those jazz chords fit in well with, with the, uh, the, the influence influential genre, which is like R and B of, of the early nineties. Um, but yeah, that, that chamber, I can't tell if it's, it's got a really cool acoustic guitar sound that sometimes I can't tell whether it's acoustic guitar or the Chamberlain harpsichord on that weird keyboard thing playing those chords but uh it's pretty cool Uh, my overall thoughts on the song uh it's probably like a a mid-tier song on the album i i I don't hate it it it's pretty cool and i they've got uh they've got balls uh they've they've got real big sausages for experimenting uh this uh this boldly um and and trying this out Uh, what a weird thing but uh i respect them for that um it, it's 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 strange and exciting to listen to. What do you guys think? I, yeah, I don't think I have much to add. It's sort of the My Song 5 of this album. You know how <laughs> My Song 5 on Days Are Gone is the sort of left turn somewhat. Although I think My Song 5 was more in line with kind of the sounds of that album more than this song, like coming right after Gasoline, which is this very uh, stripped-down organic rock song with this one um, is, is interesting. But that being said, uh, I, I spoke so highly of gasoline. This one, I would also say is a top tier. I don't think I like it as much as I know alone or gasoline, but it is up there. I, I think it's a great pop song um, and very much gave me those nineties skate rink uh, mm-hmm. kind of vibes. Um, but I, I really don't have much to add beyond that. I, I did like it quite a bit though. Uh, Matt. I have down. A, I I don't know if I would call this new jack swing or or G funk, um, but it, you know as as we say, it's definitely got '90s R and B vibes. I think it works really well. Um, I also th- uh, think that the the bass line um, and and they're probably drawing from a lot of the same influences. Uh, this this bass line is what uh, reminded me at least uh, initially or or one of the times of Love Below specifically. You know, it's got that kind mm. of slow um you know kind of synthy bass tone that, that kind of plops along uh womp, is womp, is this the track womp, with womp. the scream vocals or no. is that no. that's later okay yeah. okay but I, I i really like it uh it's you know 
it's fine Heim for me. Uh, it's staying in that theme of, uh, or, or at least the, the theme that I'm positing of, you know, women in music. It's, it's another, um, you know, it's another musical genre that, that they're kind of inhabiting and, and, and making their own. And, and I think it works in that, uh, in that regard. Um, you know, I, I would certainly come, you know, come back to it on, on a whim, but, but I don't know that I would go back and seek it out. I love it when you call me Big Papa. I don't know. I hear that, <laughs> and I hear, like, this sounds like something that would be on, like, the Friday soundtrack or something. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is a left turn. Um, I, I totally, uh, I think it's in line with what they're doing on the album as far as exp- experimentation, and I can totally appreciate and admire that. I'm glad that they're doing it. Uh, but this one just didn't land uh, for me, it just sounded a little too contrived. Like it, it's the first time. Like I still feel like all the other so- songs still sounded like Heim in sound in 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 a way, but this one is the first time where it doesn't really sound like them to me at all. Um, so it it was kind of a snoozer for me. Uh, I I find it kind of interesting as a novelty, uh, but I like the floating away part. Uh, otherwise, it just didn't do too much. It, it's cool to hear them explore, though. I, I'll give them that. Floating away. I forgot to mention that. That is a good part. I love it when Floating you call away. me Scourge of Carpathia. <laughs> does anyone, right. I mean, Calm does, down. It just kind of sounds like that from that time period it to does. me. Or yes. just kind of like what you were saying. Well, like it's that early 90s r&b for sure and uh oh yeah i i like that i i and i you know it's fine but i it's it's just one that i was like wow this really doesn't sound like them at all it's got a lot of the same synths as big papa and um and also as the isley brothers where the big papa sample was taken from Ah. so it it makes sense that you'd make that connection moving on i don't want to move on we're... I had a better one. Hang on. What was I going to say? Shit. Okay. I should do a transition for this one, but I don't want to. Um, so that don't wanna. They say that this was the first song they wrote for this record, um, not necessarily before those the three bonus tracks, but for the first song that they wrote when they decided they were making this record. In it, uh, another one. Uh, this is another one where I've seen multiple uh, live and quotes versions of, in which um, Alana play. First, I was like, "What is Alana playing there? What's that little guitar?" that's how dumb i am um i guess it's a mandolin eight strings is that right is that a mandolin yeah um the mandolin is apparently played by uh rostam on the record um this is another one mixed at electric lady this apparently came out of a drunken late night jam with rostam on piano and danielle said this was her favorite song to record drums on and she specifically loved the big roomy drums at the end, which she said were inspired by Tom Petty's album Wildflowers. And wow. then the only other thing I have is that uh, Alana called this classic Heim, which I think is like their version of Heim Fine. I think I like Heim Fine better that Logan came up with, but uh, they, she said it was classic Heim. 
Um, you already mentioned it's one of the first ones written. Uh, I, I'll give the music video breakdown real quick. So this is the sixth single from this album. The video, it's uh, them walking around the Los Angeles Forum parking lot, kind of in a parody of the fact that they've become known for walking music videos, I feel like, because the video is them walking slowly at first, and then they start kind of jogging and then racing. (laughs) Um, Danielle pretends to be hurt at one point and then uses that opportunity to jump ahead in the race when they're trying to check on her. But then at the very end, who wins but Esty after she jumps in a car and drives to the end of the race track? Race she, track? I guess it's cheats. just the parking lot. Yeah, um, yeah it's parking lot. But uh, yeah, so that's that's what I got on this video. But uh, feelings? Uh, how do you feel about Don't Wanna, Blake? Um, well, I feel pretty good about it. I think it's a lot more than I'm fine, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I, I had nothing really to add. I, I like it pretty well it's kind of a mid-tier mid to upper tier one for me i have i i do have thoughts to me this is top this is a top tier one um i understand that it's super simple that it's one chord progression throughout the whole song basically but i'm okay with that for some reason it just really clicks with me i agree with danielle that uh the the big roomy drums at the end are are fucking awesome and one of my favorite things about this song is the way the drums build it starts with an extremely simple what sounds like what sounds like a a uh, drum sample beat that is quite possibly danielle's pet pet drum machine the lynn drum if you've seen her do quarantine performances uh she has a, a lynn drum a famous vintage drum machine that's fucking awesome i want one oh, it's five thousand dollars that's pretty rad um but yeah, that's one of my like uh, uh, dream pieces of gear. Anyway, it's kind of sounds like a Lin drum, and then more and more possibly real drums build on top of it. Well, apparently they recorded real drums for the end. Sounds dope. Um, I, I love how big it slowly gets. I wanted to point out the um, the it's a staccato bass line from Esty, and I, I at first. I thought it was like a little staccato bass synth, just like dun, 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 dun. And then I realized this was the same situation as heart shaped box. Chris's bass line is just the dun, 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 dun. I don't know what it is with me confusing a staccato bass part with a, a bass synth, but I, I don't know. I dig it. I just made that connection. Um, yeah, the, it's by by the end it's 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 bliss to me. I I would dare to say, I really like it. I wanted to know what is that high pitched thing at the end? Is it is it a guitar with an octave pedal or something? You guys tell me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Uh, it, it it could be mandolin with effects. Oh, maybe. I don't know. It's, it's a weird sound, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I already kind of said my piece, uh, Matt. What do you? How do you feel about this song? Uh, it it's I'm fine. Um, it does sound to me like like a song from uh th- that could have maybe been on something to tell you, and you know it makes sense to me that that it's the first one written uh for for the new album. Um, the the drums to me uh, at least initially remind me of of uh, Billy Jean. You know, it's a very kind of Billy Jean um type song it's, yeah it also has that really kind of direct sounding 80s guitar which doesn't really work uh f- for me in in this case uh either but um i don't want to uh you know overly bes- you know besmirch it or or uh or also damn it with with faint praise but um uh just 
it's it's one that that is repetitive enough, but it it didn't uh, you know make a, a lasting impact on me. Well, I'll damn it for you because I don't want to hear this song ever again. Ooh. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> I tried. I tried to get to like this song. I tried to you know get it to break through, but it put me right to sleep. I mean, it's not. There's just not really anything going on there for me to grasp onto. It's it starts to pick up at the end, but never anything to get up and go to the fridge for. You know, it just sounds like it would be used as a montage scene in a romantic comedy with like Amy Schumer, or like usually at the end of the montage, the the character has learned something new or is you know grown in some way. Um, but I just certainly don't feel like I grew in any kind of way in hearing this song. So it was a major... And it's uh, kind of back to this... Uh, I'll call it Heim Slime. It's, uh, <laughs> it's oh, low-tier low tier Heim, in my opinion. Heim Slime. Is it worse than Little of Your Love? Uh, Surely not. No. That was the one you, you really didn't... That like is also Heim album. Slime. That is definitely... That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's like Ground Zero Heim Slime. <laughs> Okay, top tier songs are Heim Prime. Heim <laughs> Prime. Heim oh, Prime. I'm fine. Heim Slime. Heim Slime. There we go. Yeah. Too bad we figured out the well, last episode. I, <laughs> yeah, it took, it, it took us only three episodes where we got there. Okay. After, after hearing everyone disagree uh, thoroughly with me, I feel like I know alone. Wait, that's, that's not the song, but... <laughs> Let's um, <laughs> give it another. You know try. what? Let's give that another. Try. I don't like your opinions. <laughs> I don't like your opinions on on that song. Let's give them another <laughs> try. What is that? Oh, just you know, nothing. He's riffing. Is that the is that the trumpet solo by J.J. Kirkpatrick? Because that's who plays trumpet. I think we. I think Logan is broken. Is what? You've I bro- think Logan you've is broken, broken him. Yeah, you've broken with too much time slime. Uh, <laughs> I'm afraid to even ask well, on this no, song. No, no, no. Give us but, the ba- but, give us the background I'm, first. Okay, so yeah, it's got that trumpet. Uh, it. So many people are credited credited on this with so many vintage keyboards. <laughs> I'm not going to go into it. I don't. I don't have background on this. Do you? Uh, I I have a little bit of background about how who it's about or what it's about. This was apparently written in the studio after Alana had a dream about an ex. Um, mm-hmm. And I, the whole story of that is very interesting because I, I read some I read a couple different accounts about it. And it sounds like she's kind of unrequited about this person because she basically said this was a person that she had been on and off with for 10 years. And it was the only true love of her life so far. And uh, and she said the song ends with 
the sound of a big, like she wanted the ending to sound like a big celebration because she said the song was ultimately hopeful about like how maybe one day we'll be together again. But then the button on this is a week after recording the song, Alana found out that this individual was engaged. So oh God. kind of, a, I don't know. It was, it was interesting reading all that. Cause it was like, it very much sounded like uh, she had a thing for this person still, but that's what the song's about. Um, yeah, so that's what I had as far as background goes. As far as 90s influences uh, go, this is Ace of Bass. That's what this <laughs> one is. Um, at least for the first half of the song. So the first the first half is all, all Ace of Bass all the time. And I, I don't say that disparagingly. <laughs> I like Ace of Bass to a degree. And I think I would rather listen to this than pretty much any Ace of Bass song. I will say that. Then there's a a vocal effect on the bridge, the breakdown, and I'm like, what? I I can't place it. Once again, I do, I don't think it's a formant shift, and I'll go to my grave thinking that that's not what it is. I don't think this album has any formant shift, but there, there's some kind of high weird electronicy thing on her vocal in the bridge where she, she's like, oh, give it another try. That thing. After that point, I start to like the song a lot more. It gets a lot more interesting. It's it's kind of uh, kind of plodding a little bit up and up until that point. But yeah, I, I I don't have much much else to say about this one. I uh, I don't know if I'm going to take pressure off of Logan here or not because I I don't know what his feelings on this song will be. Um, but I think I feel a little bit about this way, this one, the way he felt about the previous one. Because I don't know, this is this is uh, Heim slime to me. I, I don't I don't dig those hokey reggae keys, the the constant like reggae mm-hmm. kind of key thing. And and it's you Ace said of bass. you said Ace of Bass, but I actually think I kind of like some Ace of Bass songs better than I like this one. But that being said, I, I overall like this album quite a bit, as we will see. Um, and I don't think there's necessarily a bad song on this album, but this is definitely lower tier for me. Uh, I'm I'm right there with you. Uh, you guys are mentioning an Ace of Bass. Um, all I'm hearing is UB40. Uh, yep, <laughs> we're 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 drinking the red red wine um, with <laughs> that's with, right. With this one, I, I like the the the, um, the kind of it, it's more of an eight bar phrase um, with the chord progression on, on the chorus. Um, and, and and that you know sticks with me. It's it's another of the kind of roll down your windows and drive songs on the record. I just don't think it's as um, works as well as um, some of the some of the other tracks that that are kind of in this uh, in this this uh, vein. They're doing um, you know several different things. They've got the new jack. They've got you know kind of the the standard um, Heim techno mix uh they've got you know kind of the almost alt country tuesday night music club stuff and and the mellow stuff and and of this one in the mellow category you know is is kind of at the bottom of that category i think this sounds like heim went to jamaica smoked some grass listened to what red red wine and hit the beach um (laughs) but here's the thing is i don't mind it (laughs) i god damn it (laughs) okay I, I really actually kind of like it. Um, I think they they definitely gave that cafe audio ambient sound another try here. I feel like they just reused <laughs> the like the same thing almost maybe. Uh, you know, they gave it another try, right? Uh, just missing some steel drums, and it's it's kind of a novelty song to me. Um, 
but I think it succeeds more in the uh, carefree summer vibes of rolling down the windows. You know, I don't know if I was expecting like some reggae rapper or Nick Hexum or somebody to like. Over the edge, and I was. Shit. Hanks and I just am really th- oh my God. thankful <laughs> that that did not happen. I just I w- I was expecting right. it at any moment. I'm like, oh please don't do it, don't do it. Uh, but I did enjoy this song. I'm, I'm like, you know, that's a no- that's a novelty Heim uh, track that I'll 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 probably come back to at some point if I'm feeling the vibes. I'm glad to hear that. I I feel like maybe it's right on the edge of cultural appropriation and i commend <laughs> them for not going over that line exactly okay the next song's called leaning on you i might have in past all my loans but you take care of us when i make it tough because it takes all that i got not to fuck this up won't you Yeah, that's right. This time they're cursing. Um, so leaning on you <laughs> in the credits, uh, Rostam is credited with playing a, a 12 string and the orchestron, which I believe is, is another cousin keyboard to the Mellotron uh, or a sister keyboard, a sissy keyboard. <laughs> um, this, as simple as it sounds, it also contains both a harmonium and a mandolin. Um, and I wrote this one is uh, shockingly mixed by Dave Fridman playing against type. It's a very clean and pretty song. Not, not the stereotypical Dave Fridman, but apparently he's the one who mixed it. Um, the only thing I had was, I, I don't know who is saying this, but on their Twitter, whoever wrote the tweet said, uh, I recorded multiple acoustic guitar solos for the song and Rostam chopped them up and rearranged them, and then they liked the way he had rearranged them, so they went back and re-recorded it that way. Um, so I don't know if that was Alana saying that or Danielle. Probably Danielle, but I could be wrong. Uh, also, Esty cites this as the song on the album she connects with the most, and she said she sees it being about her relationship with her sisters. Um, I don't know if that's what the song's okay. about, but that's what Esty kind of feels the song is about in her I, way. I, I can see it. I can see that being true, and we know that's also true for at least one other song on this album. Um, that's interesting about the acoustic guitar solo. I love the uh, that acoustic guitar solo section. Uh, I like this song quite a bit. Um, it was one that really grew on me, that didn't blow me away, obviously, at, at first, because um, I, I don't take to um, kind of uh, quiet, uh, uh, understated music so easily. Um, it takes several listens, but I, I did get pretty into it. This is one that uh, people will probably continue to make Fleetwood Mac comparisons on. But what uh, I to me, it sounds like a Beatles song like Two of Us or Blackbird. Hmm. I don't know if anyone Blackbird else gets those for sure. Vibes. I get the I get the Blackbird. I can hear that vibe for sure. In in Two of Us, just in the sense that it's uh, the, the nice harmonies, the the uh, the kick drum. And that it, it's mostly just based around an acoustic guitar and a kick drum. Um, but that's true for Blackbird as well, of course. Um, that's all I had. It, it, it's up there for me. One of one of Heim's best, like, uh, uh, quiet songs. They don't have a 
a whole lot of those, but it, it really grew on me. Yeah, you said the thing about Fleetwood Mac, and that was one of the notes I made, and I'm sure I have a feeling, Matt, you made that as well, that it's interesting because the last album, I felt like there were lots of fingerprints of Christine McVie and Fleetwood Mac. This album, this is actually the first one where you go, oh, that's kind of like their version of uh, Never Going Back Again, the the Fleetwood Mac song uh. on Rumors that Lindsey Buckingham plays. It's like an acoustic kind of song, and doesn't sound like that lyrically in terms of content, um, but definitely I, it feels like that's the vibe they're going for. But other than that, I actually don't think Fleetwood Mac is that present on this album, surprisingly. Um, right. I also pointed out that uh, I I feel like this is the one where I really hear Rostam's influence. I, I know I'm the only one of us that has listened to Vampire Weekend to any uh, extent. I've listened to them. And well, do you feel like this one you can kind of hear his influence? Like some of the parts uh, sound very Vampire Weekend to me. Um, some of the key parts, especially that come in. And I, I just feel like I can hear his influence on those. I mean, he, he's quite literally playing those parts that you're right, talking about. Right. So, <laughs> it, but it sounds it like, the, it sounds like something off the first vampire weekend album in terms of those little, yeah. uh, whatever harmonium parts or whatever they are that come in. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe yeah, I, I like this one. It's kind of mid tier for me. Um, I actually think I, I kind of like the cursing on this more because I feel like without it, this is a pretty, uh, banal kind of song. Did I say that right, by the way? <laughs> banal, B-A-N-A. It's just it's, kind of... It's banal. banal. It's kind of plain. <laughs> banal. It's kind of plain. And then I, I think the adding in the, the line about, you know, not to fuck this up, for some reason spices yeah, w- it up for me. Uh, would Fleetwood Max say fuck? Uh, well, there's that one song where Lindsey Buckingham's like, fucking shit, motherfucker, fucking shit. No, uh, that's not a... It's, yeah, Holiday. Like, yeah, Holiday. He's like... <laughs> holiday <laughs> Road. A, that's not a real thing. Um, You're going to have to but, bleep that out for your I, I kids, Josh. That's true. Hey, I actually had that <laughs> thought. I uh, the, the kids have never listened to this side of the album. Oh, yeah. Because this is where I was going to ask you about dirty. that. Uh, they, so they've heard the can other I tell, songs. Uh, Josh's... Daughter, we ran into Josh yeah. and his daughters at the at the Goodwill, and and uh, Josh asked her what her favorite band was. She said Heim, but huh. now after listening to this, I'm like, well, she better not listen to this one because yeah, it's all she's about. She's never gotten this being far horny. in the album, um, but she's heard the other you, parts of the album. Uh, she's heard gasoline. Yeah, she's heard gasoline. I didn't realize it said the thing about the ass in there about you need to, but she can't decipher some of those lyrics. Like it says, it says, I want to get off. She doesn't know what that means. All right. She thinks it's Off about a car. Off the highway. Off the highway. <laughs> anyway, back to leaning on you. Uh, mid mid tier for me, uh, Matt. Uh, yeah. Obviously, uh, there, there's Fleetwood Mac there. Um, you know, and never going back again. Specifically, uh, I, I noted that in my notes. Um, I, I really like the vocals on this. Uh, they the, the hanging on the hanging on yous. Uh, really work well and and i also have down that i like i, I like the the solo parts but i also kind of like the uh the just kind of uh you know sound bed underneath the solo you know it really kind of uh it's another kind of hammock driving in the car song maybe you've gotten to the beach and you're setting up your 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 picnic for your significant other <laughs> and, and this is the uh th- this is the song for for that but um it's it's another kind of middle of the pack uh song uh for me i i think i like um honey and i uh better in terms of very close uh fleetwood mac 
analog Heim songs. I think this sounds like Heim are playing on a shoddy wooden barge, uh, paddling down the river, or listening to Heim play on a porch creekside somewhere. It's very folky, hmm. bluegrassy, but it's almost in rom-com montage territory again for me. <laughs> Um, the lyrics aren't too bad. Um, did I hear a dog bark? Was that a dog barking at one point? Oh. Um, I don't know if I if I, I just made that up or got too far into my little uh, what is fa- this Fiona Apple? fantasy here. But I could have sworn I heard a dog bark. Honestly, though, this just really isn't my thing. Um, Heim floats downstream. If it were a haunted river or a foggy swamp, I'd be down. <laughs> but uh, it's just it's not really something that's very appealing. Uh, to me, so I didn't have too much to say. Well, you all didn't like that one as much as me, I guess, and because of that, I've over the last few seconds, I've been down. That was bad. No, track ten is called "I've Been Down." Sorry. And later on, Henry Solomon comes back in once again on his enormous baritone saxophone. I have no other background information, Josh. Uh, It was the last song recorded for this album. And uh, Danielle said it was therapeutic to sing the chorus. And she wanted it to sound like you were in the room next door to her while she sang it. That's about all I got on the background. Okay. Yeah, I kind of hear that, what she's talking about. Again, this is some shades of Cheryl Crow um, in this one. Oh, yeah. For me, at least. I, I don't mean I, – I mean that in, in the best way. Um, it, it This one grew on me, didn't blow me away right out of the gate. But, again, the whole album uh, grew on me. Uh, <laughs> I, for some reason, I wrote, this song goes down smooth. Uh, I love that great – Pingy snare and drum tone. They're similar to the tones in Los Angeles, the first track. Uh, really dig a snare that, that pings that much. Maybe it's a piccolo. I don't know. Um, I think the song reaches its apex at, uh, I, I think that we need to come together. That part, I think, is dope. Um, there's like some spoken word. Uh, there are several spoken word bridges on this album. Maybe they're toward the back end of the album here, but th- this is one of them. I'm not sure what to. Th- uh, I, I I think it's fine. You know, some people love them or hate them, but uh, this this is somewhere between Heim Fine and Heim Prime for me. I I can get down to this song. I I also noted that Cheryl Crow thing, and it sounds like Logan, you did as well. Uh, it's yep. it's definitely Cheryl Crow e. Um, I think the acoustic tone is really nice. The, the way the, the tone they got on that acoustic guitar, I really dug that. However they mic'd it or if they just did a effect on it or something, I don't know. It sounded really nice. I, I also noticed that, and we haven't talked about this trope yet. They love starting songs on this album with drums. Like we haven't noted that yet, yeah. but several songs start with <laughs> drums. It's not I just feel. this album. It's not just this album, but I feel like this one has the most like organic live drum yeah. sound, uh, and and a lot of them start with that on this one. And this is one of those. Um, beyond all of that, eh, this is a mid mid tier kind of one for me. 
um, kind of gets lost here in, in the near the middle of the album. So I know we're not in the middle exactly, but I just feel like there's stronger songs before it and stronger songs after it, and it uh, kind of gets lost in between there for me. Yeah, th- this is a V-shaped album generally. I, I think it kind of sags in the middle. Um, I think this is where it kind of starts to pick back up. Um, obviously, it's you know a, a charter member of the Tuesday Night Music Club. Um, I, I like <laughs> the use of saxophone as kind of a chord-building instrument, as just kind of you know laying down a... a uh, a single note, um, you know, more for texture than as a lead instrument. And, and I, I really like when they bring the funk, uh, you know, they, they, they do kind of um, a turn, you know, a genre turn even within uh, this song itself, let alone, you know, moving between different genres on, on the album. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I think this is where, uh, this is where the album picks back up. And, and, and I, I like this one. Yeah, I was going to say, how'd Cheryl Crow get a guest spot? You know, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Lol. Uh, you know, Hell it's not man. a bad thing, um, um, because, but it is heavy Cheryl Crow vibes. But I like it. Um, I don't mind it. Halfway through it, though, I think it kind of almost turns into like a Lana Del Rey joint. Uh, hmm. It kind of hmm. takes a different tone and kind of a mood halfway through, and I, I, I kind of dig that. Um. So far, I feel like they've taken the opposite approach of something to tell you, and they've really tried some new things out for this album, and I find that very, very admirable. And it's not easy to deviate from your brand or sound, and while a lot of it really isn't kind of my vibe, uh, I can definitely appreciate their sense of adventure and willingness to try something new. Um, And I like that jazzy ending to it, Uh, but it's... Yeah, I I think it's kind of uh, I'm fine. It's it's not something that I'm 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 wild about, but it's 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 got its place. All right. Um, okay, so I got a joke for you all. Why did <laughs> Why did Danielle Heim DM Alfred E. Newman? Why? Because he was because the man she... from the magazine. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. <laughs> I love uh, I love where J- Josh made these clips. <laughs> I love where he cuts off. Uh, I, I don't I, I don't quite know gonna, if that I was the this. one. As soon as I made the clips, I'm like Blake's gonna give me shit for these clips because he's where gonna the, be I'm like, not, "Why'd no, you cut no. it there?" <laughs> no, no, it's it, it's fine. I'm not even sure if that was the one. Uh, we'll get to that. A uh, man from the magazine for which the. Uh, I'll I'll let Josh tell you about the Well the no, I I you, there's substantial background for this one, right? Yeah. This one might have the most like heady background. Uh, I'll talk a little bit about it. Um this song um is uh about misogyny, particularly in the questions journalists ask female musicians. Um and it's taken from from real things that that they've encountered. For example, um, and they've, you know, they've talked about this in, in many interviews by this point. So I guess some, uh, some fucking limey British journalist, <laughs> uh, asked, so 
we haven't talked much about Estee's bass face and she um it, it's a whole thing with fans maybe we mentioned it a little you know she, you know when you get super into the music and you make crazy faces i do it on the drums um she has a famous bass face where she contorts her face all over the place uh it's i think it's on our twitter and my instagram anyway it's fun stuff fans love it i love it the uh this journalist dude asked her with a straight face um do you also make those faces during sex or in bed or whatever dumbass thing it was that he said as if that's like some sort of clever whatever so that that becomes an actual lyric in the song uh you know man for the magazine what's that you said do you make the same faces in bed that's about sd's bass face um and they're very open about that of course um then there's uh it also talks about uh, how Danielle hates to go into places. She doesn't say it by name, but it's probably Guitar Center. She hates to go into music stores where they don't know her um, and purchase an instrument because uh, like male um, employees there will ass- assume she doesn't know shit and like grab her, I don't know, a sparkly pink squire or something. <laughs> She's, in the song, she says, um, I think it's like, don't give me that starter guitar or something. It's about hating music shops, and I think we can all relate to that. Josh, you, you yeah, go I, off. Yeah, I was going to say, apparently the, the, the rock magazine, which, by the way, you got further than I did with the British thing. I could not. I looked everywhere. I could not figure out what magazine or what interviewer actually asked her that. And they get pretty specific, specific information. Apparently he asked it, and Esty responded with, uh, well, there's only one way to find out, kind of making a joke you know, back at <laughs> I him. Didn't, and, I wanted to know her response. Yeah, I know she, so she said that back to him and apparently later thought about it and was like, wait a second that was really fucked up yeah. that he asked me about that, that. like because yeah, in yeah. the moment i think she was kind of taken aback and just sure made a as you a, would be a joke um and apparently it became like an in joke in the band to say to each other man from the big rock magazine what did you say and then eventually they were sitting <laughs> around in late 2018 discussing moments from their time as a band and going on tour and that one came up and they were like wait a second we should write a song about that because that is really messed up that you know we hear that kind of stuff all the time. Uh, and then, of course, you already mentioned the second verse being about going into a guitar shop, which is a fictional thing. She, it, it's not about a specific inc- incident or anything like yeah. that. Uh, the video. So the video for this, which just recently came out as of our recording, it's the seventh single from the album. The video released in October 2020. Directed by fourth Heim sister, Paul Thomas Anderson. Uh, in the video, Danielle was working at the, it's the Cantor Deli, right? Yep. And the she's same. serving the customers, which are both men that come up, and she sings the song live. Apparently it was uh, Paul Thomas yeah. Anderson's idea after hearing the song to mic her live and just have her sing it while she's taking orders from the men. It's and, wild. Read into it with your own resonance about what that you know means regarding music industry and, and everything like that. Um, the only other thing I had about this is someone asked them which came first, the title of the album or this song, which this song is almost like the thesis statement for the album. And they said that this came first and then the album title came later. But they do seem very intertwined. Um, in terms of subject matter and, and content. But, Blake, you want to give your, your feelings about it? And yeah. And we'll, I'll jump into mine and so on. Just, just real quick, um, I 
I have posed as a question, is this the most simple song they've ever they've ever done? It might be. It's basically just uh, Danielle's vocal by herself on top of an acoustic guitar that sounds like it's played through a broken cassette deck. That's at least the feeling that I got off of that weird warbly effect on it. Um, the beat at first, at least, is kind of hard to pin down. It's a it's a strange syncopation, but once you get into the groove, I think it's pretty cool. Um, there's a really cool bass line just at the end of the song. And this is another one that this is not my type of song generally, something this um, this understated and quiet and acoustic, uh, but uh, just really grew on me. And maybe it's just recently that it's grown on me. And, you know, the video helped. It, it's, it's it's like a, a two minute short film that that's just really cool. Um, I like it a lot. I don't know what to say. I like it simple um yeah i also this is prime heim for me uh i mentioned how there's this kind of theme of relationships that aren't just you know um sexual relationships with with a partner this is one that's definitely okay we got relationships with the city relationships uh with yourself this one is relationships with the music industry obviously and and the idea of being a woman in music um, at first I kind of got a Nick Drake vibe from the chord progression. And then I saw online, somebody say Joni Mitchell and I'm like, okay, that makes mm. a lot more sense. Uh, but I think yeah. it's, it's the common root there of that sixties folk kind of scene, uh, that Nick Drake and Joni Mitchell both came out of. Um, but the chord progression is definitely that sixties folk kind of vibe, um, at least for me. And, uh, oh, apparently this was recorded by the way in one take. And it is the least played song on the album on Spotify. Damn. But that might change. I bet change. that's changed by now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, with there being a music video. Um, but yeah, not a lot of people, I guess, t- tune into this one on Spotify. But uh, I think they're missing out because I, I do think this is a very good song um, lyrically and musically, if albeit one that's just very quick um, and, and not necessarily very produced but I think that kind of suits the song, uh, the point when it, it probably wouldn't work as a big pop song, you know? Yeah. Um, Matt? Yeah, it's it's definitely got, you know, kind of bedroom pop, uh, lo-fi um, vibe to it. I, I think it's probably just a, you know, a bad room mic that, that gets that really thin um, guitar sound. I, I didn't look it up to see if it was in drop D, but I, I, I would I would bet that it is. And, um, you know, Josh, you're, ta- you're talking about that, that Joni Mitchell uh, you know, '60s folk vibe. You know, I, I they, they get a lot of different voice in the, voicings in with with a different tuning that I, I think shows up here as well. I'm I'm a little taken aback by this song because it's such a it's such a departure. Um, you know, it, it's so sparse and you know not just a lot of sparse instruments stacked together, but it, it's just you know the guitar and um and the voice and, and, you know, a little bit of percussion. Um, I, I think it works. I, I like it. Um, it's kind of a bummer, which, you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, you might not want to go back to as much, uh, Blake, you, you mentioned the, um, uh, going to the, uh, guitar center or wherever it was. I just really like that, that kind of, uh, couplet that they do where they, they rhyme, uh, you know, I drove too far for you to hand me a starter guitar. Uh-huh. Hey girl, why don't you play a few bars? You know, the, just the, oh, yeah here's a starter guitar play a few bars you know really pops for me uh lyrically why don't you play me a little twinkle twinkle (laughs) (laughs) remember the fiddle king of the hill 
<laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Do you think she's Branson good? <laughs> it's exactly that. I, I will say um, the, the funniest thing about that entire episode is how uh, kind of upscale and nice they depict Branson. And really, it's. Just oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There are no pedestrians in Branson. <laughs> oh, boy. Logan, what do you Logan? think? Um, I really appreciate how raw it sounds. Uh, I kind of wish that they would have just kept it acoustic completely without the the bass noodling at the end. Um, mm. I just kind of felt like that was needless because uh, I, I was just digging the vibe that it was already laying down. And I was just kind of hoping that this was just going to be like a Danielle acoustic song. I didn't know everything about uh, about the background of it prior to listening so that so this is only just from my notes are just from me listening to it um and not knowing anything about it um but I dig the guitar chords and and the riff um I I kind of low key enjoy this track um I don't I'm not trying to shoehorn myself or toot any horns but I was I kind of felt when I first toot your horn when I first listened to the acoustic Part, it really reminded me of how I play acoustic guitar um, or just it, it really I felt like this that could have been me playing acoustic guitar because I feel like I come up with little riffs like similar to that and have a similar uh, just kind of style um, which I thought was weird because you guys are talking about Joni Mitchell and shit and I'm like uh, I don't know how I got there but um, <laughs> I really like it um, I think the video really helped seeing that. But yeah, like I said, I kind of low-key enjoy this track. So I, I, I would say this is uh, somewhere between Heim Fine and Heim Prime. Um, I don't think it would make my top ten, but uh, I, I think it's a it's a fine entry. All right. I, I, have, to, uh, I have to mention, I didn't know the full lyric of this song until just recently because I couldn't tell me if you guys could hear this. I'm going to play this. I didn't note it. I didn't hear what she was saying underneath the heavy strumming. And I'm going to decide later whether I believe anything. <laughs> Let me play this clip. So I don't even know if it came through or not. I, I heard it, but, but I couldn't yeah. tell what it was. She says, you don't know how it feels to be the sea. And when I I first saw that lyric um, printed, I was like, wait, what the fuck? I didn't even catch it the first time. Did all of you? I don't think so. I missed it until the music video. Yeah. Because in the music video, she kind of looks right at the camera right. and says it. And I'm like, oh, that's yeah. the lyric there. Okay. <laughs> and it's not... It's not drowned out by uh, the guitar, and you know when done live, it's strange. And it's the same at the uh, the live stream they did at the deli. They do this song, and and she does it a little more um, uh, pronouncedly. And then and then Alana kind of shouts out to her, "Yeah, Danielle, be the C, be the C." Um, I'm not allowed to say it anyway. Oh, uh, I got interesting you. stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. um, <laughs> uh, yeah, they, they, they've, they've come a long way in terms of, um, <laughs> oh, by the way, this is their only album with the, <laughs> that really cool Tipper Gore, uh, parental advisory parental sticker advisory, on the yeah. front. 
So keep your kids away. Should I go on to the next one? That's what matters. <laughs> the song is called All That Ever Mattered. So here it goes. So I noticed you faded out. <laughs> I know. Right. I didn't click uh, the scream. Let me let me do let me do this bit that I do so much. This is even though it's 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 you know not my favorite. It is one of my top five songs where the chorus is a blood curdling shriek. <laughs> <laughs> All that ever mattered. I'm not sure I even have. So there's a guest guitarist named. Amir Yag- uh, Yagmai, I don't know how to say it. I think maybe this person is doing all that shredding at the end. It doesn't really, you don't really usually hear Daniel shred oh, okay. quite in that style. I was wondering. But it's apparently a guess. Yeah, because this song has got some shredding <laughs> um, where, you know, Logan, I know you were saying you were you were hoping they would they would let loose on a song more and and. Maybe this is some of that. I don't know if that scr- if it scratches that itch. Um, do you have any any lore on it, Josh? I got I got nothing. Uh, oh wait, <laughs> the scream. Um, apparently, oh, yeah. it was from the cover shoot where they were uh, they poured honey and it got too hot <laughs> on the model's skin, and and apparently it was recording them ripping off the skin. Does anyone know what I'm I talking heard... about? Does anybody yes, get the reference? I do. To... No, okay. I get. Oh, I get it. And uh, apparently. Uh, it was a joke. That's not the actual case. One of them died during the making of that, which is really sad. <laughs> Can I? Should I explain this reference to to Logan no. and Matt if they don't I'm, understand it? Do they not? Do they not know it? I don't know. F- what you're famously, about. the I'll give a quick Ohio Players, the Ohio Players song, uh, "Love Roller Coaster," uh, has a scream in the background, and for a long time, there's been an urban legend that it's the sound of the model who was the, on the cover of the Ohio, Ohio Players album having her skin ripped off because they put honey on her. So oh, that was fucking okay. ridiculous! <laughs> little, little inside uh, music urban legend, uh, but no, I have no background, Blake. It's definitely a deli-based scream. You you can tell the acoustics of the scream are are coming from within Cantor's deli. If you have a trained ear, I I'd like to know what you guys think. Uh, is is going on with with the high effects on that guitar? I don't know if it's more like pitching up. Um, it, it's weird. This has like the most electro. I mean, you know alone is, you know I know alone is pretty electro. This has an extremely electro beat. One of the more artificial sounding songs on the record to me, other than I Know Alone. Um, it's not uh, it, It's not my favorite on the record for sure. Um, while the, the shrieks on the, the chorus, the screams, may not quite do it for me, I, I still commend all the strange experimentations they're committing themselves to on this album. I say go for it. Uh, you know, they're throwing everything at the wall. Some some of that spaghetti is going to stick. Some isn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, you do do what do what you feel you got to do. Um, yeah. 
That's all I got. I I have I have nothing really to add other than uh, this one feels of a similar cloth uh, as 3 a.m. to me for some reason because they both sound like these very 90s referential dance pop kind of songs. And I know they've been doing that for a long time, but just on this album where there's also quite a few organic stuff and especially coming right after Man from the Magazine, which is maybe one of the more organic stripped down things they've ever done. Yeah. Uh, you have this this song that goes back to the dance pop. Um, and I, I like it okay. It's, it's Heim fine to Heim prime for me, like kind of in that mid upper tier I, I do love the little tossed off fuck no that you can hear <laughs> oh yeah uh, i almost forgot uh, that <laughs> yeah fuck and, no. and it's like it's like you gotta sneak the they gotta sneak the curses into even more songs uh but they're really yeah. letting loose with those those f curses this, this is why uh, this is why my my daughter can't listen to this side of the album it's you know you <laughs> and it's just the back half man from a magazine to this one and the next one it's just it's filthy Oh, yeah. uh, but anyway, no, I, this one's okay. I'm not my not my favorite, yep. but it's all right. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about uh, all that ever mattered? I I think it works uh, for me. I I think um, coming off of Man from the Magazine, it's it's the right kind of attitude, um, and, and you know, it, it's a you know kind of a bringing us back up to to finish out the album. Um, that's interesting to know that that was a guest guitarist. Um, I was getting a lot of. Uh, prince vibes from uh from those yeah. lines and, and i don't remember which song it was but there was a song on on um something to tell you that that had a very similar you know very compressed and distorted but probably you're right also uh and an octave uh on that guitar as well and and you know he just you know re- really shreds so you so yeah it, it's i'd i'd say i'm i'm fine to heim heim prime uh <laughs> But uh, what do you think, Logan? I'm in Heim, firm Heim fine territory. I think it could have been a good <laughs> B-side. I think it probably could have been left off the album. Like I, I feel like this almost should have been one of the bonus tracks. Uh, but overall, kind of one note to me. Uh, but I do like the guitar wankery. Uh, that is uh, something that I'm like, I, I my ears perked <laughs> yeah. up at that part. And I'm like, is that shredding? Oh, I'm like, is that? Danielle or Alana just shredding. I'm like, that's so sweet. So I, I did enjoy that part. I, I do like the shriek, the scream. I think it's it's just one of those things where it's like it's not for everybody, but that's just something that I'm like, hey, that's there. Like Blake said, throw it at the wall, see what sticks. I I like that experimentation. Um, it, but overall, it seems kind of rushed or it, almost not fully cooked. It's just uh, not quite a – I don't know if it should have been a – made the cut for the album oh i i don't have any i I wanted to say a crazy fact and then say fucked up but true (laughs) clearly that went over great though (laughs) say a crazy fact you can't i I remember back you remember back in the day when you uh you go to the diners uh specifically there was one here in town the uh um and not anton's uh fucking carriage house and they would have the crazy facts on the sheet that you could get at the front and i remember one was always a duck's quack doesn't echo which is total bullshit i have no idea where it's (laughs) coming from it's a sound sound. that was the one that always stuck out to me but anyway so uh, just say a duck's quack doesn't echo did you know that it's fucked up but true (laughs) did you know a duck's quack defies physics (laughs) If, I want to say huge if true. According to this <laughs> flyer, I got at Ben's carriage house one time. 
<laughs> the 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 song's called Fucked Up But True, um, or as Tipper Gore would like us to believe, F U B T. It's wrong that you could do no wrong. And maybe even though it makes me miserable. It's I should mention this is the closer song of the album proper before the the bonus tracks kick in. Um, let's see. It's co-written uh, by Taylor Parks, who is a songwriter on songs such as uh, Ariana Grande's Thank You Next, which I that one I, I kind of dig, even though I don't like her. And unfortunately, she's also a writer on High Hopes by Panic at the Disco. Uh, <laughs> so she probably knows Mayor Pete is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> so this one, uh, like a lot of their closers, is a uh, uh, well, at least it starts that this way as a as a very laid back one. Um, oh, Josh, did you have any any more fun facts? About uh, this one? The the only thing, and, and they said this on Twitter, and I they said it's the only one without drums all the way through. And I was trying to think if that was true. They said uh, they were saying there's drums at the end. But Daniel said it's the only song in the album without drums all the way through, and that that's a big deal for us. And I I I don't know. I guess there Hang aren't drums all the way through. It's at I'm the gonna, very end. Uh, the oh, only other thing I no. had uh, was that the publication, The 45, I've never heard of this website, said it was the younger sibling of The Steps because of the guitar riff, and uh, that Danielle has okay. said it's about being in an emotionally abusive relationship. So pretty Damn. pretty yeah. dark Once again, there. yeah, we're going... We're going to dark places again. But uh, um, that but, that's what I got on the background on Fubd. Um So, yeah, it's mostly just that, that clean guitar thing that they're doing and uh, with beautiful vocal harmonies on top of them. Um, these are drenched in reverb. It It's to my liking. It may not be for everyone. Um, <laughs> I wrote that the song is gorgeous despite all the cussing. There's there's shades here of their other closing song "Night So Long," in my opinion. Um, I like the the subtle synth pads that come in underneath the guitar. I I do like maybe it's a drum machine or I I can't remember if it's live, but drums and guitar and a guitar power solo of sorts kick in at the end, which is pretty cool. I like that part. Decent closer. How do you all feel? Yeah, I I think it's a great closing track. Uh, you're right. I never thought about the the comparison to Night So Long from Something to Tell You, but it does have a lot of similarities with that. And, and you're right, that guitar part that comes in at the end is pretty pretty cool. Um, but uh, I, I, I prefer it to uh, Leaning on You, which is another sort of... I guess Leaning on You is a lot more positive, but they both have that yeah. sort of... Um, I don't know, very stripped down vibe. Um, and, and I just, I don't know. I think I prefer this one, but it is, it is one I cannot play in the car, but, uh, unless I can edit it. You can edit it. It's true. Fucking dork. Uh, but anyway, uh, Matt, what do you think about fubbed? Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, on board for fubbed. Uh, this, this (laughs) is a, uh, I think this is a quintessential, uh, Heim vibe 
song. Um, it's know, a mood. I, I really they, they bring that gasoline guitar tone back that that I really like. You know this this is it works for me a lot better than the tone on. Um, on the steps i would say this is maybe not the younger sister of but maybe the the goth cousin of uh, uh of the steps i really like the low bass note that they hit and i don't know if that's uh just a you know a really low note on on nasty's bass or if that's a a synth tone but uh where they're going into the the fucked up but true uh line in in the in the chorus um that really kind of fills out the sound and and since there's no percussion you know, still having that that kind of broad, uh, you know, range of frequencies hitting you, um, you know, works. It's it's just a neat, you know, kind of mellow sound. You're back in the car, maybe you've you've finished your picked up your picnic and you got in a fight and yeah, and you're you're uh, <laughs> uh, you know both kind of staring out the window uh, on, on your way, you know, home uh, kind of song for me. But I I, I like it. I, I think it's it's. Uh, uh, very, very, you know, spiritually similar to similar to tonight. So long as well. I think that's a, that's, that's a good observation too. Yeah. It's definitely another low key kind of final track. Uh, I, d- I don't dislike it. Uh, I definitely like when the, uh, I, I, I wrote Siamese dream esque leads come in. Uh, I was like, yeah, Hey, <laughs> all right. Um, I wish, a good the bass yeah. and the drums would have made themselves more present. Uh, I would have liked to hear them rock this song out a little bit more. Because, um, you know, I've given up on them going full garage dance rock. Um, but I do, I, I like the background synthesizer. Uh, I think this is a, it's it's mid-tier uh, for me. Um, but I, I, I do like it. Um, I, I had to... I was wishy-washy. It was one of the last ones to kind of grow on me. So, but yeah, not bad. All right. So I wanted to, I had an idea. I wanted to either call this overtime or extra innings. Hmm. I like because it, to... it's pre-game, right? And then extra innings. Yeah. So I wanted to continue Sports Metaphors. <laughs> Uh, then I wanted to have a, a like an audio drop that that's like something ridiculous. I kind of like overtime. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, overtime. overtime was my first my first thought. So okay, overtime. We're doing. Why are we doing these bonus tracks? Because it's almost like it's part. They they are they are carved into the vinyl that I have. So it it's not like they're they're B sides or something. They're also on the CD. I think aren't they? I, I didn't even know these were bonus tracks. I just <laughs> yeah, and and I okay. and if you go to Wikipedia, it says these were the advanced singles. So I mean, in a lot of ways, they are just part of this album. But you're right; they yeah. technically are bonus tracks. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why they did it this way. That they, they do have a little bit of a different sound to it, maybe, but maybe not. Um, the order of them will depend on how you listen. On my on my vinyl copy, it goes "Summer Girl," then "Now I'm in it," and ends with "Hallelujah." I know it's different on streaming. Hmm. Yeah, it was different for streaming for me. It was uh, "Now I'm in it," "Hallelujah," "Summer Girl." Yeah, that's what I I have it written oh, down as. Interesting. As well, okay. Let's start with "Now I'm in it." Um, okay, so "Now I'm in it" was released. Um, Long before the album was released, October thirtieth, twenty nineteen. Oh, and on the on the vinyl, it's called "Now I'm in It" video version. 
I guess it's the version in the music video. It's another one by P.T. Anderson. Uh, Josh will probably have a synopsis. Mm -hmm. Um, They say that this song's creation started... uh, I haven't even played this song. Let me play a clip of the fucker. You fool. So, Chicka Cherry Cola. <laughs> what is that? It's that Savage Garden song from the nineties. Oh, that's that what is, I, I Jessica said this last job. night. Ooh, I want you. I don't know if yeah. I need you. Ooh, Je- I'm dying to find out. Yep. What I hear is Edge of Seventeen, and <laughs> so that that guitar part apparently uh, Rostem came up with, and then they kind of built the song around it. That this is. A very personal uh, song. It's about a personal journey. They don't want you to confuse it with a breakup song. Uh, it's 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 more about uh, oh what did we what did we keep saying earlier? It's about a relationship with oneself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this um, one's a relationship with your mind. Yeah. So it was written during a period of what they called post tour depression, um, which I guess if you get in that cycle of you know record tour and repeat. Um, they say it's about not liking what you see in the mirror or not recognizing, not recognizing it and just plain spiraling. Esty said about this bass part, playing it live is going to be a bitch. And, you know, (laughs) sadly they haven't really got that, the chance to, to bust that out yet. Um, we, we cannot be friends is, yeah, is, is me. It's someone talking to themselves. It's, it's, it's not like a song about a boy, uh, according to Danielle. Um, Buddy Ross, our uh, our Moog tattoo boy, is back on synthesizer. <laughs> My thoughts on it: I uh, I I love a song where they delay the big drop until verse two, so it's kind of an understated first verse and and kind of a quiet chorus, and then then that drop happens on verse two where every where the beat and everything locks into place. Mm. I I really dig that. That trick will get me every time. <laughs> I then I also like th- this song is so kind of like. Uh, it laser beam uh, sequenced into place um, a really dumb metaphor but I like how then there's a piano breakdown where everything really relaxes I think it's a good choice to relax the song at that point in the bridge and, and bring out these really pretty vocal harmonies uh, after the song has just been you know pure uh, 16th notes uh, goes into these relaxed piano chords really cool um, it, it's a pretty decent song um, I'm not going to give it <laughs> I don't know if it's I'm fine, I'm prime. I, I like it, but maybe it maybe it doesn't belong on the main record, but I don't know. I wouldn't throw it away either. What do you guys think? Um that piano part you were speaking of is another one where I can hear Rostam's fingerprints uh very heavily. And apparently he did play that part, so it makes sense. Okay. Uh so I was gonna say uh the the video. So this was the second single, as you mentioned, in October twenty nineteen. Paul Thomas Anderson directed video starts with Danielle drinking a Bloody Mary in a bar and then stumbling to her job as a waitress where she absentmindedly pours some coffee. After going to a thrift store to change clothes, she passes out directly onto a stretcher that is then carried through the streets of L.A. by Alana and Esty in heels. They carry her to a car wash where she's sent through the car wash coming out clean and dressed for a night out. 
They then walk into a bar and meet up with, I think, Rostam and Ariel Retshade, Retshade, uh, and it ends with them uh, doing some shots. So it's kind I of an know interesting. Them. Okay. It looks like Rostam and Ariel Retshade at the end. There. I need to rewatch. Um, I don't like this song very much. <laughs> uh, it it just I don't know coming after uh, fucked up but true, which is like this very downer kind of note and then you get this like poppy 90s thing i don't know it just didn't do it for me uh again it's not my least favorite song on this album and i wouldn't go as far as to say necessarily heim slime but it's definitely leaning towards that territory for me uh blake you mentioned the uh the piano tones and and the three-part harmonies i i think that's probably the the strongest part of this song. Um, I, I just can't hear anything else, but that Savage Garden song, uh, you know, which, you know, if you like Savage Garden, then this will work for you. But I, I don't know that it, that it works for me when you have 16 songs on your album and, and you're, you're making decisions, you know, I, I don't know how much material they, they called this down from, but I, I, I guess I, other than that piano breakdown, I, I don't see what this brings to uh, to the table that, that we don't already have. You know, if you want to swap it out, maybe for um, don't wanna, um, you know, it's it's kind of interchangeable with with one of those. But but it's it's not one that I, I'm going to skip to. No one is taking don't wanna off of my album <laughs> from my cold, dead hands, Matt. Wow. Um, I'm in a completely different uh, mindset on this album. Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, on this song. Are you in it? I am in it, guys. Uh, I will go ahead and just say that it. this is Heim Prime, and it is going to, in fact, make it onto my top ten. Ooh, dang. Ooh. I feel like this definitely should have made the album. I think it would have been much better than All That Ever Mattered. Agree. I glad I'm very glad that it's available. I like this one quite a bit. It's it's kind of soulful, it's soothing, and um, you guys are talking about the uh, piano part, but you, what about that percussive section? I think that sounds really great, and I think it, the video really elevates that when they're walking and the the heavy percussion comes back in because I kind of felt like that was somewhat missing from this album. Um, I mean, it was a very percussive heavy album but not heavy in this like big bombastic like whoa this is like a drum section kind of deal um i thought that was really cool um and very epic uh so yeah i'm definitely in it i think this is a great song i think you've you've moved me more into the now i'm in it camp i don't i don't want to disparage it it is a a pretty pretty catchy pop song um should i do should i do summer girl or hallelujah hallelujah yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that that's good. And and Summer Girl bookends it. All right. So, uh no, I have no transition. I was going to make a joke about Leonard Cohen covers. Uh here it comes. Hallelujah. We're almost done it's with not a Leonard. <laughs> no. Hallelujah. It's not a Leonard Cohen co- cover here. Tell them anything and they will sympathize. These arms hold me Old fears help to ease them in my mind. New tears say that they will giant die. This is the only one of the three bonus ones that was mixed at Electric Lady. This is one of their few, I call it a 
a tri-sister song <laughs> where each sister has a verse. Um, I know they did that on The Wire. I can't recall if there are other songs where they do that now. Anyway, it's a trifecta song. This one is one of the most personal ones of the group here. It's about it's about sisterly love, um, which they said in an interview before this, they were not about to make a song about that. Uh, I could see how you could very easily get into hokey territory, or maybe they just didn't want to get that vulnerable. But, you know, it's about um, their relationship with each other. So different kinds of relationships here. Alana, uh, in her verse, uh, sings about a friend that she had uh, recently lost. And I had I had to kind of put two bits of information together because she talked a lot about, in this album cycle, um, dealing with grief. And this song is part of that. But th- th- this friend uh, actually apparently died back in like 2012. And she was still trying to process it. Yeah, she said it was a, her best friend at the time. Yeah. Died in a car I, crash. Her, yeah. Yeah. Her best friend died in a car crash. Her name was Sammy Kane Craft. And I noticed when I saw them live, Alana always had the letters SKK in like um, electrical tape on her uh, Les Paul gold top. And you can you can see all throughout that tour, you can see her with that, her guitar says SKK. And I was like, I don't, I have no clue what that's about. It's for Sammy King Craft, her best friend who died. Anyway, um, so, I mean, heartbreaking shit uh, for this song. Um, it's... Uh, Landslide-ish is what I put. <laughs> I know the Fleetwood Mac comparisons are tired by this point. I know, but it is landslide-ish. Um, the harmony, I love the harmonies. I mean, what else is new? The fucking harmonies are beautiful. It's a Heim song, but they can sing. Per- yeah, um, I I put down that this shit is kind of moving. It's so vulnerable. I can't help but be moved. Uh, maybe you know. Maybe some people will take it as hokey. I don't know. The strings at the end, you get just like a taste of, of strings at the end that I, I find really beautiful. Uh, it's a it's a gorgeous uh, l- little song. Yeah. Uh, I The only other thing I found there was that they apparently wrote it in around an hour, and they said they cried the entire time they wrote it. <laughs> oh, my God. So, yeah, I'd pretty emotional it. song for them. Uh, video. There is a video for this one. It was the third video in November of 2019, directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, I, 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 Even though it's kind of a sad song, I, I did make some jokes here about the video because it starts with Danielle playing acoustic on an empty stage and then it looks like she uses the force to send a rolling desk chair to Esty because she just kind of moves her hand and the chair goes (laughs) flying across the stage there's magic throughout the video sits down and sings the next verse and then as she sings Danielle uses her force powers to pull Esty's chair backwards then they both (laughs) levitate together on stage for a little while there's Uh, a lyric about levitating Which reveals that Esty, I put, reveals she also has force powers. 
Um, <laughs> kind of like that yeah. scene in, in Last Jedi where we found out Leia has force powers. Uh, Alana, just like, just just like, like the Last, the Last Jedi. Jedi. Uh, Alana then joins them to sing the next verse on stage, and then it ends with Danielle leaving the theater while Esty apparently works the ticket booth, and Alana changes the marquee. So uh, that that's all I got there. I this this song I could not help but think of an early two thousands like country song, Dixie uh, Chicks. Well, not even Dixie. I kept thinking of like that Faith Hill or like one of those kind of radio country things. She's uh, Faith Hilling. <laughs> it's it's like it's okay, mm. and I I hate to say that I don't like it when it is like such a personal song to them. It just. I don't know. It's all right, but it's not one of my favorites on this album for sure. Um, I don't know. Matt, you got anything to add to that? Uh, I do. Uh, You're wrong. The song rules. (laughs) Um, Blake, you you mentioned uh, Landslide. Um, I have down in my notes, uh, it's Hyman and Garfunkel. Um, oh, don't say hi. Don't say hi. Well, yeah, and 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 that that works a little better on paper. I'm I'm now finding out. But um, oh my god! <laughs> I like to think Matt's sitting there scribbling at a desk, and he keeps like crumpling papers over. He's like, it doesn't work. I've got it. I gotta I've got find it. the right one. No, th- this song's great though. Um, you know, and I I, I feel like it it rides the um you know kind of the the edge of being 17 overly sentimental <laughs> you know they're 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 levitating just over the uh the 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 cool waters of over sentimentality and um hit it out of the park uh, i mentioned in in my ill-advised pun uh that it sounds like simon <laughs> and garfunkel um yeah. uh, specifically april come you will um Josh, the the vocal harmonies, um, especially when they get that that highest voice in, I I think I can see what you're where you're hearing that uh you know it's, that that it's kind of that pop climbing, country. It's the climbing chord progression. It's that A minor climb to C is what it is. I think you know you play yeah. that A minor and then the B and the C. Like that's a very common I think radio country kind of trope. Yeah, um, that they the, pull. The, the string pads at the end kind of remind me of, you know, other similar um, close to the end of the record or, or in these cases, end of the record songs, uh, both uh, Here Comes a Regular and um, ah. uh, what's the name of the end of the track or the if that's all right uh, from from Still Feel Gone, uh, the Uncle Tupelo record, um, you know, all acoustic, but also kind of bringing in that that that. Uh, that kind of single string note uh, melody as, as another element. Um, I, I think this really works, um, you know, and, and the fact that, that it's about their relationship and being in bands and, and, um, you know, just being sisters together, you know, it really comes through in, in a way that works. I definitely, the first thing that I wrote down was kind of landslidey. Um, I said a <laughs> yeah. little Creek bed. Uh, it's pretty. So, I didn't I didn't know like too much about the the story behind it until uh a few hours earlier today before I I started talking to you guys. Um so I'll I'll tiptoe around some things. I can definitely appreciate them pouring their emotions into a song and have it mean something and I know this is, song is very special to the 
to Heim and I'm assuming they're fans as well. Uh, that being said, this is not a song for me. Uh, I think there's definitely a place for it. It's just not my uh, personal cup of tea. Uh, so it didn't do a whole lot for me. I can definitely appreciate uh, the sentimentality of it. Um, I have not seen the video, so maybe I'll, I'll give that a watch. I can definitely see this hitting home with me a little bit more if it were in a a little coffee shop, seeing them perform it or some, uh, some kind of intimate setting. I think it would probably, uh, the sentimentality Kelly. would, you know, just be so overkill that your heart of ice would have to melt. Uh, <laughs> so I could see that happening. But overall, it's just kind of a, uh, I'm not going to come back to it. All right. Let's, let's go to the last one. Take it um, home. So- Take it on home with Summer Girl. Now, on my vinyl, it's called video version, so there are two versions of Summer Girl, I think, with very subtle differences. Don't. But uh, anyway, here it is. So after all the the heaviness uh, of, of of previous songs, it's nice to have such a breezy, carefree song as Summer Girl. And yes, that is uh, Henry Solomon on saxophone again. So sh- surely that this song didn't uh, didn't come out of, of any of any hurt or pain or uh, life difficulties. It's just kind of about being breezy and summery. Uh, I should mention record that, scratch. Uh, <laughs> hard left um danielle wrote it kind of to help uh cheer up her partner ariel also producer as he was battling cancer so that's the <laughs> backdrop of summer girl um she says she was wanting to be a sunshine or light while he was in this dark place like my god this album is is heady um uh, but, but you know you you wouldn't know that just from listening to this thing. Um, she knew, so as she was writing it, she knew damn well it evoked Lou Reed, Walk on the Wild Side. And uh, I guess she was talking to Rostam about it. And he had the idea to uh, switch out the electric bass for stand-up bass. So Esty plays stand-up on this, I guess to kind of imitate the stand-up bass sound on Lou Reed's song. Oh, and that, to add sax, that was another of, of Rostam's ideas to, to kind of imitate uh, Walk on the Wild Side. Then, even though, in my opinion, they were not obligated to, they reached out to Lou Reed's people, I guess the, the Reed estate, you know, got some sort of permission, and the Lou Reed estate, uh, you know, now will forever get royalties off of Summer Girl. Even though, in my opinion, that's not something they had to do. <laughs> I'm not a copyright wow. lawyer, but some <laughs> I go something <laughs> something about that sort of thing rubs me the wrong way a little bit. It's kind of like when and I, I I like Tom Petty, but it's when it's like when Sam Smith had that song that had the same chord progression and a similar melody to a Tom Petty song, uh, won't back down. I think and and Tom Petty sued. You you cannot chord progressions and and melodies are not copyrightable. But they settled and gave Tom Petty a bunch of money, I guess. I don't know. 
When you said reached out to Lou Reed's people, by the way, I just imagine Lou Reed's people are, are all sitting around <laughs> in black turtlenecks looking at like a peach in a hat or something and, you know, <laughs> discussing the significance. And they're like, Heim is not, here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway. In a, in no, a bondage I, I sh- bar somewhere. I shouldn't go off on that. But, yeah, the, 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 the there's no there's no Lou Reed sample or any there's no direct. Nothing was directly lifted. It's 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 like an homage. But there is a Lou Reed credit on the song. They're they're playing it safe, so to speak. It was released actually uh, the summer of 2019. So, you know, way nearly a year before the album. It's got another Paul Thomas Anderson video, another spoken word bridge that comes back again. The release of this single kind of led to them deciding to make another album. I personally, I like it better than Walk on the Wild Side with my hot take. <laughs> You're fucking wrong. <laughs> Bro, this is goddamn I, heresy. I don't I don't know that I like that. Have you listened to that song lately, yeah. man? Yeah. I don't know. I can't be the only one here that thinks that Blake is dead wrong, right? My take is is that that's fine. I I know that I'm wrong. I'm probably wrong, wrong is a harsh this. word. I don't think he's wrong. <laughs> like I I don't know if he's right. Uh, <laughs> somewhere in between. Thank you. It's it's hard for me to like that song. This is not my favorite Heim song. It's all right. <laughs> it, it's breezy. I've I've talked enough about it. Let though. me let me give the rundown of the video real quick. It's the last okay. last one I have to mention. It was the first video. So though, many videos. Said, the first Jeez. I know there's seven videos for this album. Real quick, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson films the sisters walking around L.A., gradually taking off layers of clothing, starting with a parka and progressing to lighter and more summery wear. They're followed by the saxophone player, Henry Solomon, as they go to various famous L.A. spots like the New Beverly Cinema, which I believe is Quentin Tarantino's theater. Uh, It ends with them smiling and skipping down the road in bikini tops and shorts. Uh, Blake, Summer Girl. Um, I, I remember <laughs> when I first heard this one, I was like, is this what this whole new high album's going to be? Because I don't know how I feel about this. It's grown on me some since then, but it's never been one that I thought was my favorite on the album or my favorite. I, I feel like all three of these bonus tracks I'm kind of lukewarm on, which is interesting to me. But um, I don't know. There's not much to say about it as far as, you know, it is very much a homage pastiche to Lou Reed's Walk on the Wild Side. Um, It is the most played song on the album, which might have something to do with the fact that it's the single. It was the first single, the earliest one. But yeah, I don't I don't have much to add. Matt, you got something to say about Summer Girl? Yes, uh, it, it's great. Um, I don't know that I would say that it's better than Walk on the Wild Side, but um, I, Hot takes. I, I'm, I'm interested, or <laughs> it's it's interesting to me that that it's it was kind of a quote unquote bonus song because it it fits so well as as a bookend uh, to the album or to an album that's opened with a song like uh, Los Angeles. You know, it's it's got the saxophone, it's got the laid back vibe um you know maybe maybe they made up on on the drive uh back or or they're they're going for another drive uh now um the upright bass uh works so well you know they're obviously quoting uh um you know that vibe from the lou reed song 
I am in love with the sax outro part where he just kind of works down those, you know, down and back up those triads. Uh, that's such a, a simple but you know kind of effective and 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 mood setting or or um, you know it's kind of the the cherry on top uh, of the whole song and and the whole record I, I think um, do to do's are are always welcome uh, for me but uh, yeah I, I'm I will come back to this song for sure which is uh, you know definitely not the case for you know for for some other songs uh on this record but but this one this one's one of my favorite heim songs generally uh you stan a summer girl <laughs> i do indeed i i agree definitely right off the bat it reminded me of los angeles uh i think that it again i echo the sentiment of it bookending i think that would be a really cool ending uh for the album uh just kind of come full circle almost i think that would have been a really neat thing to do it's a feel-good song i i don't mind it it kind of have a, has a dave matthews kind of feel to it too i'd, I'd really love to hear da- dave matthews sing that he's a summer girl wouldn't you <laughs> i really you know i'd i'd pay i'd pay a dollar fifty for that uh i don't know uh it reminds me uh, just a lot of that that first track and i like i said i don't have too much more to say on it so uh, it, it's a good song um I'll, I'll come back to it i i'd like to see haim do a pastiche or homage to the velvet underground's heroin yeah um, just a, <laughs> their take on a seven minute long dirge oh god about heroin i did say the uh, i did like the jazz odyssey solo on there so the the saxophone i i was a big fan of that and the and the triads that you were talking about matt i totally agree that was that's was cool have they started experimenting with drugs is that what this whole album is about i they, wondered if you know, this was a weed record no there was a specific there was a specific uh uh somebody asked them about that and i guess Esty was saying her drug is insulin so that was kind well of their, their comment on that yeah, that's okay. <laughs> that's more like a, a life-saving uh Yeah. Uh, hey, measure, guess what? Yeah. We're done with the Heim album. Not yet. We're I not know. because we got to do Right? That's what we do next. Say that again, Blake. We got to do this. <laughs> bangers. So, my banger now I have to think about it because y'all done fucked me up. Someone else go. <laughs> I, I think I don't think this will surprise anybody. My banger is gasoline. I know it's maybe not a banger in the sense of a, a club jam, but it is my favorite song on the album. And uh, I think it, as the kids say, it, it slaps pretty hard. <laughs> Matt, what's your banger? Um, I I I felt more tethered to the uh, um, the tradition of the banger. Uh, the banger for me here is the steps, but uh, it was there's kind of a dearth of bangers on this record. I, I think there's lots and lots of good songs, I but um, but not a lot of what I would qualify a, a, as as a banger. Uh, the steps, however, is absolutely uh, in that category. My banger is without a doubt. I know alone. Mm, I yeah. think I wish that I could hear them go further down the electronic rabbit hole. Aphex Twin territory meets New Order for sure. Yeah, I dig it. Um, so when I decided this, 
yesterday or whenever i did i did not think this would be a controversial opinion at all <laughs> but uh my banger is don't wanna <laughs> this the song hey, the song own just it, man own it i am gonna this song i, I just scratches my very specific itch uh it, it's it's hard i don't know it just does things to me it, it bangs to me so yeah loud and proud my bangers don't wanna steps might have been a runner-up i know alone runner-up okay let's move on to the next one don't sleep on um i don't sleep on it's easy for me uh gasoline it doesn't have a video yet but it should video number eight gasoline obviously fucking whips ass I, I do love gasoline. I don't know if I agree it needs a video. I think they've done enough videos. Let's, let's yeah, chill out Please for a no while. Please no more videos. Um, I put my don't sleep in it as man from the magazine, but that was before there was a video for it. And now I don't know if it'll be slept on. Um, I think I think you can still say that. I think it's a good I, I one. I think it's the one that, you know, can be overlooked. It's kind of near the end. It's short. It's like two minutes, and so people might kind of just not pay much attention to it. But it it it's the thesis of the album to me, and the one that if you want to encapsulate like what the attitude is of this album in some ways, I think this song is is that song. Although now that I think about it, there's also the theme of the depression and loneliness, and and it doesn't necessarily speak to that, but. Uh, it definitely speaks to the whole women in music kind of theme. I, I take your point uh, that gas on gasoline. I don't know that it would be possible to sleep on a song as good as gasoline. Uh, my <laughs> video or not, um, my don't sleep on it is hallelujah. Um, I was just really taken uh, by that song. I think it it's it's a great kind of individual song unit. Uh, that 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 also works, you know, within the larger context of the album. Um, I, I I just think it, it really works. I had a tie. I would probably lean towards "Up from a Dream" as being my "Don't Sleep on It" or "Now I'm hmm. in It." Okay, all right. And then we have. Skip it, skip it. Come on, everybody, skip it. <laughs> so really excited about skipping. I'd probably give a different one if you asked me on a different day, but today I will say all that ever mattered is my skip it. Nothing against you personally song, but I could I could skip you. I don't have to have you on the album. Mine is another try. Yeah. Yeah, I I think I'm I'm going to going to skip another try as well. Ouch. I'm going to skip don't wanna and leaning on you. <laughs> Wait, two tied. I have ties. Okay. I narrowed them down. Two of my bits. It's like, man. You're going to take two of my well, babies I'm off. I'm probably going to skip both of them <laughs> is what's going to happen. Yeah. I... <laughs> you just killed two of my children. both of them. Oh, boy. All right. Uh, and thank you, uh, I think, Josh, for the new drop. Cover. <laughs> it's so wistful. What the fuck is this? Cover. Cover. It's so wistful. It's uh from the Jason Isbell song. I don't know. Matt Matt had an we, idea for one as well for cover, right? Yeah, I, I don't I have that a, drop ready yet, but uh, I need a song where someone says cover with a lot more uh, enthusiasm. <laughs> Hutzpa. Uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, go, what's, go ahead. What's your cover, Blake? No, you go ahead. All right, mine obviously would be gasoline except 
the bridge because I can't imagine any of us singing the line about when you're lying between my legs. <laughs> Nothing bad. The whole listen, also, the whole song. I didn't know it had the line about the ass thing, and now that I know that, maybe gasoline's I, I picked gasoline because it's the most like organic, you know, four piece band kind of song I felt like. So that that was my thought process there. You're, but you're a, lyrically a, a woman, it would a, be very strange. <laughs> a woman can lie between your legs. Uh, yeah, it sounds different coming from a dude, though, <laughs> to say when you're lying between <laughs> my legs, nothing matters. It just, it's, we it, could change it, it up it, a it little. It's different. Uh, Matt, what would you cover? <laughs> I would cover fucked up, but true. Um, I, I, want to, I want to get those, uh, get those distorted power chords in that, that Logan was talking about. I, I think that'd be fun. Yeah. So I wrote down my cover, uh, before I knew about the song, uh, so I also chose gasoline, Josh, so don't feel too bad. Um, okay. but I, you know, I'm not, you know, whatever it's 2020, whatever. <laughs> it's right? true. Hey, Yo. you know what, whatever hey, gets you off, whatever happens, happens. I I'll, guess you're such a tease. I, just I know I want it double entendres. I wanted to just, say, uh, I don't know. It wouldn't it be funny if I, I think the the harder one to cover would be Man from a Magazine because of the obvious. Well, yes, uh, or Hallelujah, the most personal songs on the album. I, like I, me, me and my sisters, we really love each other. Yeah, let's play that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, this um, is about my my friend Sammy Kane, whatever craft uh, that died. Yeah. We'd be like, what? Very strange. Um, as as much as I as much as I love a horny song, and as much as I love the song. I don't know about pulling off gasoline. I almost said that. Instead, I'll say the steps because it, it's it would be tough to pull off, but uh, but worth it. A really a really fun rock band song there. All right, let's bring it so, home. Are we given? Are we given our ratings? Yes. To Women in Music Part Three. Um, I I think I gave both of their two previous albums four and a half stars. Uh, <laughs> This may be my favorite of their albums. I'm sorry that I'm thinking this through as as I'm saying it, and I didn't think it through before. It may be my favorite. Why why doesn't someone else give a rating first? This, this is my favorite Haim album. Uh, that being said, I gave it 14 out of 16 tracks I liked, 81%, or 4 out of 5 deli meats at the sausage party. <laughs> okay. Josh, I'm right there with you. Uh, I rated this record uh, this record for baritone saxophones. Uh, I liked about ten out of the sixteen tracks, so that rounded me out at sixty three percent, or three out of five pairs of sunglasses. I'm going to. I want to say I need to get this in. This album, is, for me, is one that that didn't. Uh, leap out to me on first listen it took many listens this album is a grower not a shower and i am okay with using that double entendre because they made a sausage party joke on the cover of the album so i think it's fair fair game um with that being said i'm going to give it 4.75 stars or four and three fourths uh, sex cars. <laughs> Four, four point seventy five sexual cars. That's my final answer. Okay. 
What do we what do we say? We're we're finishing a pie. Good we, lord, what do yeah, we do? Yeah, uh before we we get to what we're doing next, do we want to talk about just our overall thoughts on Heim? Uh Logan, I, I'm assuming, did you do a list of your, your top ten? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I did it just how I did uh, Nirvana, I think. So, um, yeah, Go okay. ahead. So this is my overall Heim uh, rating. Uh, well, I don't know. Uh, maybe I should do this first. So uh, I'm going to give the rating for overall Heim. Out of the 38 songs that I listened to, I liked about 26 of them. So that landed me at about 68% or 3.4 stars. Uh, I think that they're super talented. I love that they have their own thing. I have lots of respect and uh, admiration for them. appreciate them for trying out new things, some really catchy tracks and vibes. Um, I would have liked to see them cut loose more. Uh, less songs about relationships would have loved to have them challenge the listeners a little bit more. Um, I, I know that this last, uh, this album was a little bit more dangerous, but mostly it was still kind of too safe for some of my musical tastes. I would like to see them rock the boat a little bit more, so to speak. Um, but I hope they keep trying out new things. Um, overall, I think my banger of the albums was, uh, days are gone uh, I would probably skip something to tell you, and I would not sleep on Women in Music Part Three. All right. And oh, you, and then was my a, top ten. Yeah, your top ten. Um, in no particular order. Up from a dream. Now I'm in it. Gasoline. Go slow. Wow. Night so long. Falling. I know alone. Forever. And if I could change your mind yeah i feel like all of our top tens would be so wildly different. and well, I, I, I actually i i did a top 10 i don't know it's i'll read it okay. in a second it's some not too different from logan's in some ways i'm probably gonna uh make a playlist of my top uh 10 heim songs and put it up on my youtube so if anyone hey, wants to dope. listen that's to dope. my top 10 feel free so yeah. I, I kind of i don't i don't think i sat down and and really mapped out every single song like Logan did, but kind of thinking about the albums, I think for me, my, my favorite is, is this one women, women in music part three, I think as far as overall, what I would like to see them do, or what I'd like to have more of that, uh, for, for Heim would be, uh, taking that direction of a more just stripped down, straightforward, consistent rock album, um, a la gasoline, um, rather than kind of the, this album I liked, but it, it just was sort of all over the map genre wise. And I think I would like a, just a, you know, them in a room playing songs kind of album. And that being said, uh, yeah, it's still my favorite. I think my don't sleep on it album would probably be something to tell you. Cause I actually think there's some good songs on there and it kind of gets lost in the mix. Day, days are gone. I don't think I would skip though. I, I like days are gone as well. I don't know if they have a bad album. Like, I don't know if there's one I would say they don't have do, to have a do without it completely. But I do think something to tell you might be the weaker of the three albums, but it does have quite a few songs I enjoyed. Okay. My top 10 Heim though. Um, I did mine in order of album. So we've got, Falling, If I Could Change Your Mind, Let Me Go, then Want You Back, Nothing's Wrong, Night So Long, 
And then Don't Wanna, Gasoline, Man from the Magazine, and I Know Alone. So those are my top ten. Was that ten? Did I get through all Yeah. You also like Don't Wanna? I thought I was the I, only one. No, I liked it. It was sort of middle of the road for me on this album, but I think if I was looking at it in comparison to all the other Heim stuff, okay. it does stick out to me for sure compared to some of the others. I, I don't know. I'd have to say really my top tier are Gasoline, If I Could Change Your Mind, and Want You Back. Like from each album, those are nice. my, really my top, top, top ones. So uh, good, Ma- Matt, good do you have some final thoughts on Haim? Uh, I have some final thoughts on Haim. Um, I was very pleased to get into Haim. Um, you know, I, as I've said, I, I wasn't as familiar with them as, as some of the I, some of you guys were coming into this. Um, it's really tough for me to pick uh, whether Women in Music uh, or Days Are Gone kind of edges one or the other out in terms of um, my, my favorite record. Uh, I, I do think that Something to Tell You is kind of an, uh, you know, a, a tear down, still a very good record. But um, it, I, I think if, if you held a gun to my head, I would probably say that, that Days Are Gone is going to be the one that sticks with me the most. And because it's kind of a more cohesive unit as a record, I, uh, you know, it, it might edge out women in music. I really like the variety in women in music. Um, you know, it, it kind of just depends on what, what you, you know, what you're looking for when, when you, you, you know, you, you put your record on it, you know, if you want to get the, uh, the angstiness or, or kind of, uh, you know, broaden out a little bit more, don't have a, 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 a full list of 10 songs, but, um, I would say that uh, Summer Girl from uh, Women in Music, Falling from um, Days Are Gone, and Want You Back would would be my, my top songs from, from each of the albums. I don't have a, a top ten. I didn't make one. It, it's, it's hard for me to even be objective or, or fair because <laughs> I'm – to put it plainly, I'm just firmly in the fanboy camp for Heim, um, and I I have been since 2013 with Days Are Gone. Um, I've just uh, ate it all up ever since, um, and I I want more of that, so to speak, and I'll continue to gobble up whatever they put out unless they start releasing shit, but something tells me that they um, will continue to experiment and I think they continue to get incrementally better. I may be the only one who feels that each album got um, a little better than the last. I I don't think, for me, uh, something to tell you was not a step down. Um, if If someone put a gun to my head and said of the three albums, one got to go... I'd say pull that trigger, baby. <laughs> I don't want to live uh, in a world where I have to exactly. eliminate a Heim album. I don't, right. Better not to live than a, in a world where one of the Heim albums is gone. <laughs> so yeah, you could say I feel kind of strongly. Uh, and I'm, I am, I have a bias with Heim. So yeah, that, that's that, that's all she wrote on on Heim. I think 
for me. Well, I, I am excited to move on to something else. Well, and speaking of something else, so we're done. We're done with Heim, and and as is tradition, in between for now discographies. Well, for now, uh, as is tradition on our yeah. podcast, in between discographies of artists, uh, we do a palate cleanser episode. And Blake, you have the choice for palate cleanser. So, do you want to tell everybody what? Oh my God. Palate cleanser. We will be doing in our next episode. Next time we're doing one of my personal favorites since I was like 17 years old. Andrew WK's I Get Wet. A classic. Party no. hard right here when it's time to yeah, party. Just party drop hard that right there. Okay. <laughs> when it's time to party, uh, you will drop this here. Drop this here. <laughs> I'm right. already head banging. All right. All right. So uh, plugs. We're going to do some plugs here and then we'll call it a day. You can follow us on Twitter at Discograph Pod and also at More of That Band. And you can follow me. Uh, I am Edward James Almost. And you can find all of our music on all the major streaming services or go to moreofthat.bandcamp.com. I also put up some music and some videos on YouTube Music under Logan Williams Music. So please check that out. Thanks for listening. Check out other podcasts on our network. Are You There Pod, my wife's podcast about young adult books and a podcast I do with my friend about toy collecting. It's called Shelf Life, a collector's podcast. Check them out. Man, we should really come up with a catchphrase to end I with. thought it was that remember is... to listen to music. Because <laughs> <laughs> right. that's what you All came right. up with that one time. It... Uh, thanks for listening. And as always, remember to listen to music. <laughs> We'll see you if next time. If you don't time. like that, come come up with a better one. Yeah, I know. All right, we'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.